0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here, once again, with Adam Chemilewski. Spooky season is in our rearview mirror, uh, or is it, as we do (laughs) our, um, well, not annual, but uh, I guess uh, guess one of our occasional, there you go, one of our occasional political episodes, uh, as Chum and I are going to try to, uh, recap is probably not the right word, but um, just give some of our our impressions on the what is now, even though we're recording this on a Thursday, a couple days after uh, Tuesday's um, presidential election, and obviously other, you know general elections, probably a better way to put it, but you know, the big office is the one that we're worried about. Um, it, this is now election week. it's no longer election day. And as we record this, we still don't officially know who the president is. Um, probably by the time this episode comes out, we will have, if not a completely solid idea, a very good idea. Uh, who's going to end up winning between Biden and Trump? Like I said, Chmielewski's here with me. Chemo, how are we feeling today, my man? Dude, uh,
1: it's been a roller coaster these last couple of days—a big time roller coaster. It's been tensions running high and a lot of pacing around and looking at the phone and stuff like that. As I, as I told you before we started, and I wanted to ask you: Did is this the? Um, this has to be the first like presidential election episode i think i would i've done on the occasional list if i'm not
0: mistaken right correct we did our 2018 midterm one that's um, right and i think did we not start doing this like in 2017 together that might be right. So, I couldn't
1: remember if it was before or after 2016. Like that whole time period of my life is yeah. just kind of foggy, you know. So trying to forget some of 2016, if you guys know what I'm talking about. But obviously, Jess and I got back together, and the Cavs got a championship, so not forgetting those. But uh, yeah, I couldn't remember when um, when I actually jumped on, and, and if I jumped on at a point in time where we would have been able to talk about an election.
0: I, I feel like I feel like if we were doing this. Prior to the presidential election in twenty sixteen, there is no way we would have skipped that.
1: No, one hundred percent right. Yeah, there's that no was too big that. of a thing to do. Yeah, and I think our first political episode—if it was only two years ago or something—right? I mean, it the the twenty eighteen elections. Yeah, so, because yeah.
0: we we kind of we you and I both talked about it off. We talk about it off air all the time, and I know we made mention of it when we did that episode, and I think we made mention of it at another point in time. It's not like you and I aren't going to move the needle on anyone's, right. uh, anyone's de- decisions. And because we're both kind of in the same camp uh, politically that like, it's not like there's going to be like an interesting, it's like, we're not going to come to like loggerheads on issues and we're not going to yeah. have like a whole lot of like back and forth over what do we do with social security? What do we, you know, like, there's just not going to be a lot of that. And also I that kind of talk just wears me the fuck out. <laughs> like it I wears me the fuck out. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'd rather talk about movies or whatever else. Yeah. Oh, yes, dude.
1: I completely agree with you. Definitely, man. And I'm telling you, there's you're right. There's no real argument that we could have. It's just basically Two, you know, progressive dudes just sucking their own progressive dicks together. You know, exactly. it's kind of a beautiful sight now that I think about it. a lot of
0: progressive dick sucking. Correct.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, with the election being obviously two days ago and something that is going to be a big time thing that is going to dominate the news. This has to we have to do something like this. This cannot go unacknowledged on this forum for sure.
0: Absolutely. So with that, let's dive into our, our election extravaganza episode uh, with a little lightning round question. <clears throat> Chema, which fictional politician would you least like to run against?
1: Dude, I thought about this one for a while. I really did. I went through so many goddamn fictional politicians and everything, and... I landed on an easy one. This is an easy one. It's uh, President Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho from the 2016 (laughs) documentary Idiocracy. Um, (laughs) Number one, I kind of wanted to lead off with something humorous because this isn't going to be though there's going to be humor here. But, uh, you know, we are going to be talking about an election for crying out loud. And I guess like the reasons would be uh, just a couple quick ones is that number one, Terry Crews is massive that dude will fucking beat my ass physically as a man. He will totally crush me. So I stand no chance with this person in the physical realm. Uh, number two is that if I were to lose, I would probably be sent to that kind of like pit of despair, underground gladiator, monster truck kind of thing that they had at the end of Idiocracy. So mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to go to that. I will not survive. And number three, which is the most important one of the of the three, is that if I'm ever in a position where I would have to run against uh, Herbert Moundu Comancho or Moundu Herbert Comancho, I should say, um, I'm going to lose. Cause that is just a statement enough about the world that if this person even gets nominated, somebody like me stands no chance whatsoever.
0: I agree with you on all of these points. It's, it's that's a, that's a perfect that is a very perfect choice to kick off the show with. I like that a lot.
1: That's cool because I was very concerned that you were going to disagree with me about the whole Terry Crews being able to kick my ass thing. I thought oh, you would yeah. be like, dude.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good choice, though. Excellent choice. I like it. Uh Chema, I'm going a little bit more serious, and uh, and the the comparisons that we can draw to it now are actually kind of frightening. But I'm going with Greg Stilson, congressman from New Hampshire. From Stephen King's the book The Dead Zone and movie The Dead Zone and eventually TV show The Dead Zone. Um, okay. Still sitting, I, I pretty I've never seen the TV show, but I'm pretty sure the TV show sets this in like a more modern time frame. But uh, Greg Stilson is a was starts off as like a salesman, um, you know, doing door to door sales in the 1950s. Um, and our introduction to him is him spraying ammonia in a dog's face and then beating it to death. Um, and then from there, he kind of realizes that he's destined for greatness. So he runs, years later in, uh, in, the, in the 70s in New Hampshire, he runs a very unorthodox campaign that involves um, a biker gang uh, running as the head of his security. Um, he says a lot of bizarre things and dresses up in bizarre ways on the camp- campaign trail. He really digs into the into the sort of the, the worst part of the, all the, um, of all the people of New Hampshire kind of indulges their worst impulses. He's a racist, he's a, du- he's a dumb piece of shit, um, but, like, he's winning. And he is, like, the most popular congressman in New Hampshire, wins re-election multiple times, um, and he's going to go for president. And um, in the dead zone, a, a psychic ends up meeting him, and when he shakes hands, it turns out that Greg Stilson does, in fact, become president. Uh, excuse me, does, in fact, become president, and he embroils the United States into a conflict that leads to nuclear war. Um, oh, wow. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it?
1: It it kind of does. It, it definitely kind of does. That is for sure. And uh, number one, I I did not know that the Dead Zone got that political. Um, I actually am not entirely familiar if I know what the Dead Zone is about. I don't think I've seen the movie or the show or any of the incarnations of it. But uh, that number one sounds like a straight up Stephen King character right there. And I'm actually very, I'm just still surprised. I didn't realize that there was that political element to it.
0: Yeah. So it's, I I think it's, it's an older movie and it's not like a super popular one of, it's not a super popular Stephen King adaptation, but there is like a, there's a video that's been circulating um, recently with Stephen King talking about uh, why he made the character of Greg Stilson. And he's like pointedly says the most terrifying thing that I, one of the most terrifying things I can think of that like, you know, beyond like the supernatural stuff. Um, One of the most terrifying things I can think of is someone in an elected position, someone with that kind of power, who enables all the worst in society. And 40 years later, here we are. I know, man.
1: We're facing Stephen King's reality. Um, come to, Stephen King's books and characters come to light to yep. a certain degree. That's exactly right.
0: So there you go, Greg Stilson. Uh, it would be a tough. It'd be tough to beat him out. And even if he, even if I did manage to run a good campaign, he might have one of his biker gangs uh, unleash hell on me. So, no thanks. Not yeah. running against Greg Stilson. Nope.
1: Not at all, dude. I really like that one. That's a really good choice. Um, I'm actually kind of a, this is the Christopher Walken dead zone, right? He's in the star yes, of the correct. movie, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Okay, gotcha. I'll have it's, to keep that in mind. Because, it's Christopher
0: uh, Walken. It's Christopher Walken and uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen plays Stilson, and then uh, he plays the President twice. Um, and oh, then, uh, uh, and then in the TV show, I believe it's Anthony Michael Hall, and Sean yes. Patrick Flannery plays Greg Stilson, although he's not heavily like he's only in of like the i don't know 40 or 50 episodes he's only in like about a quarter of them because he's not like the main oh. he's not the main piece he's not the main story
1: okay i got gotcha. you yeah it is definitely anthony michael hall and i did not know that sean patrick flattery was in that that's a uh, that's another very very interesting choice dude i'm telling you you had no idea how much i uh struggled to get that answer out man i almost kind of felt like i defaulted to that there are so many just really interesting examples of politicians and movies and television and stuff. Like it, it was really hard to choose. I was like, Oh, should I do Bullworth? And then I was like, ah, oh, nah. And then I saw, I was actually going to go with this, um, movie that Robin Williams was in called man of the year where like, basically John Stewart becomes a contender for the presidency, but he doesn't win at the end. So I'm like, ah, I got to go with somebody who at least has the office who has that power. Yeah, I, I
0: think, I think that's an important thing too, with this like little question. Like if it's someone that lost, I guess you could beat them then, right? Yeah.
1: Right. They're beatable. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There's no, no fear. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. So Greg Stilson and president Camacho two, two, honestly, two people that could exist in the same universe realistically. So, um, which is also kind of strange, but anyway, uh, right. let's get to our, let's get to quickly some election updates here. And unfortunately we don't have a ton of the updates, um, a ton of updates because well, uh, Pennsylvania, and Nevada are holding the nation hostage. Um, mm-hmm. It was originally Wisconsin was kind of lagging behind, and then they decided to go ahead and count votes. Um, <clears throat> uh, Georgia is still counting votes. What realistically everyone's waiting on: Pennsylvania and Nevada. So, just real quickly, Chema, what the fuck is the deal with Nevada? This is it, dude. This is insane to me. I I, I just uh, just I'll, I'll, let me finish my thought here. I'll, I'll turn it over you real quickly. This is insane to me did the only reason why first off they are taking their sweet time. Like they apparently they're, they're just keeping regular office hours, which is bizarre to me anyway, to begin with when something this important is up in the air, but of course, so it's taken them a long time to count their mail-in ballots. And the only thing I can think of is that they didn't think in Clark County, they didn't think that, which is if anyone's unfamiliar, Clark County is Vegas, basically. Um, it's Southern, Southern Nevada. Um, my only, the only thing I can think of is that Clark County thought that like they weren't going to have that many mail-in ballots and given, given the state of the world, the past like seven months, how the fuck could you not think that? Yeah. That's I don't it. know. I, that's that's, that's can... my final thought. Sorry. I'll turn it over
1: to you now. <laughs> no, dude, i like, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you on this. Like I have no fucking idea what's going on down there. And If I'm not mistaken, um, you I don't know. There's not that basically there's not that many people that live in Nevada compared to elsewhere in the country, which is why they only have six electoral votes. A majority of the population is basically crammed into two areas, which is Reno and Las Vegas, the northwest and southeast corner of the states. And they don't have this figured out yet. I don't get I mean, the numbers, even their population and everything, they should be done they should have been done last night with the way even like the amount of people that they have in the state if everybody voted they would have had these things uh, done by yesterday so I have no clue man and that's something that is kind of worrying me I don't know if it is something that uh, if something's going on I mean like I know the race is it's it's tight in nevada it's not necessarily like one blowing out the other one
0: Mm -hmm. so
1: i don't know man like it's it's like nevada our nation turns its lonely eyes to you you know it's all of all the fucking things in the world
0: i know i know it's bizarre and like i get the hold up with pennsylvania they literally had almost three million mail-in ballots which is almost the entire state of nevada um right so i get that slowdown. um you know you can only just like think about it this way It, it it even if you could count to a million, let's just say, in exactly a million seconds, um, it would take longer than that to mouth out all those numbers. But even if you could do it, that would still be like weeks worth of counting. So the, f- the fact that, that Pennsylvania is dealing with this humongous backlog of mail-in ballots... That and the reason why they couldn't count them until election day is because of the Republican electorate in Pennsylvania. Yep. Um mm-hmm. so thanks Republicans for for doing this. Um, right. Like I get why there's a slowdown there. I don't get why there's a slowdown in Nevada. I don't get why they're not doing this around the clock, because they would probably would have finished by today, probably.
1: Yeah, dude, and I honestly I wish I had a better answer for you than I have absolutely no idea, but I have absolutely no idea. And everything that you said about Pennsylvania that makes sense to me, Jess and I. We've been talking about this all day. Like PA has got an overabundance of mail-in ballots to do, and yes, the Republican uh, lawmakers made it so that they could not start counting until the, the the election was over with, basically. And yeah, we are stuck in this position because of that. And it, but it does, however, make sense to me because Pennsylvania is really, really huge, and they had a big, you know, surge of mail-in voting. They Nevada, no fucking clue, man. I have absolutely no idea what's going on there. And I, I wish I had a better answer for you, dude. I'm sorry. I just I, no yeah. clue.
0: No, me either. Like, and, you know, and like when you hear, you know, you understand why, you know, you understand why, like, it's taking longer in Georgia because like, you're, you're hearing stuff about, like, polling centers that had to close down, like, you know, briefly. Like, there's one, like, a pipe burst or something. Um, so, yep. like, they you know, they had to, like, not evacuate, but people had to get out of there while that mess got cleaned up. So, like, they're behind. Like, you, you get some of that stuff. You understand some of that stuff, but like Nevada really has no excuse other than, and listen, I don't care. Take your time, get it done. But it it feels like between them not being prepared or maybe not considering, you know, the amount of bail and ballots that they'd get and just the idea that like they're like, well, it's five o'clock, nothing really big has happened, let's all go (laughs) home. That's right. That's bizarre to me, too i know like hey oh supper's gonna be ready soon y'all
1: want to like take off like no just just get there and get it done you guys would have been done by now easily
0: but no there's they're all at home sitting around watching tv yeah so no nevada fine you're getting your 15 minutes of fame but i want to hear i don't want to hear from you for the rest of the year all right that's it right. <laughs> yeah all right so this i asked this question because i'm just very curious um how were you watching the election coverage? You know, were you, was it you're watching online, on TV? You mentioned, you know, you're checking your phone and stuff. Like, how are you how are you consuming the bulk of this uh, coverage?
1: OK, so I will be 100 percent honest with you. We were doing um, the MSNBC app on Apple TV, like mm. it's or NBC News, like that app. The coverage was. Lester Holt, Savannah Guthrie, and Chuck Todd. Those were like, and there was a couple other people, and they had, you know, obviously we're Zoom interviewing people and stuff. So we were there for, I would say, ninety-five percent of the time. um, On as far as TV watching goes, we did flip over to CNN for a little while, but I kid you not, it was so difficult to follow CNN's election coverage. I mean, just we didn't come in on anything major, but the way the screens were working, there was just too much going on. It was just too busy, so we reverted back to NBC, and then um, I was periodically checking my phone on Twitter through basically like three or four different um, Twitter personalities that I follow, which are like David from the editor of The Atlantic. this guy named Aaron Rupar, who is a writer for Vox. I'm not going to lie, like I was checking in on George Conway too. He's actually made some pretty good quips and humor about the, this whole situation. And then there's another um, just kind of like reporter whose name is escaping me right now that I think I found during mm-hmm. election night that I was kind of checking up on. So that was how I. Consumed and absorbed uh, all the uh, the shenanigans on Tuesday night. How about you? Basically,
0: basically the same idea. Um, although I was I, I originally started watching it on on the TV that is directly behind me, um, uh, ABC's coverage at first, and then I just then I put it up on my computer, um, so I could just like flip through and watch some other things. Um, but yeah, mostly I was mostly watching online. ABC's coverage was. It was kind of, you're right, I was flipping through and trying to figure out who I was going to watch. Like, who who was, mm-hmm. you know, CNN, you're right, CNN's coverage, was the, the screen was kind of messy. Um, yeah, it's, very it's, messy. I've seen it recently, it's still messy. Um, no <laughs> chance I'm watching Fox News' coverage. Um, CBS, I didn't even, I, I kind of forgot that they even exist as a news network sometimes. <laughs> like, I, I literally don't right. know who their pundits and, like, journalists were, so I was like, well, I'm moving on from here. Um, and I, yep. the reason I ended up settling on on ABC is because I just was transfixed, and I'm going to get to this a little bit more. I was just like transfixed by Chris Christie. That uh-huh. one, he physically doesn't look like a human being. He looks like one of those right. like he looks like one of those big inflatable sumo suits come to life. Yep. So I'm just like transfixed <laughs> by him. But it's like it, it was like when they, when they, when they, there's a lot of people on their, on their first night covers too, like a lot, I think there was like 10 people and they would kind of go down the line or maybe eight people, but they would go down the line and like, you know, talk about certain points and Rahm Emanuel is on the panel too. So you would get your, you would kind of get like your typical like journalist and, uh, and, you know, Washington insider uh, kind of opinions from the panels. And then, and then when it came down to Christie and Rahm Emanuel, It was just, it was just like, oh, here's the divide in our country. You two are talking about two the same thing. And you're take you're talking about like the same thing. Let's that first thing is like Wisconsin. You're talking about the same thing. And you two are just on, you could not be farther apart while talking about the same thing. It was very bizarre.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I can imagine what that's like. I'm very fortunate that NBC didn't really have any of that. Of course, they had the conservative pundits and the Kellyanne Conway's and all that shit in the Mm -hmm. world. They didn't have Kaylee McElhaney or whatever, thank God. But um, they, you know, they did have some of the familiar faces. So there was definitely a back and forth um, to a certain degree at times. But NBC, um, I don't know, it was all kind of like it was basically all kind of like uh, on the same front. There weren't too many contrasting opinions. The only like kind of weak link in the chain is there was this woman who was sitting all the way to the left of the table. I cannot remember her name. She is on the older side and she's a regular uh, person who makes appearances uh, on the NBC circuit. And she was definitely like the, what would have been like the crazy kind of left wing person, like almost Mm -hmm. like the Marianne Williamson of the group who had occasionally you know, kind of spout out different things, and kind of you know just to drive the the left side of the conversation. You know, she would be the one who would bring up the, uh, she, just as an example, but like she would be the one who would bring up the um, out of nowhere, like, hey, by the way, do you guys remember when like you know. Uh, Trump didn't ask Putin about the Russia thing or whatever, mm-hmm. like the soldiers, she would be doing that. Everybody else would kind of just give her her time, let her finish her sentences, and not really acknowledge what she was saying. But to have Chris Christie and Rahm Emanuel, number one, I can imagine what that discussion must have been like. And But to also have it be on two different sides, Like I, I can see what these kind of discussions that they would be having, and it's just, I don't know, it's just not good. And it's not even really good to have Chris Christie anywhere because you know that these hardcore Trump people and stuff, which I'm – you're only getting like – you're getting a very, very weird perspective. And I'm just going to leave it there because we're going to resume it a little later in the yeah,
0: I, I, I have a little bit more to say about him actually upcoming. Um, and, and you know what? I, I asked this question um, – I asked this question because I think it's interesting. I think this would be an interesting um, sort of poll question. Um, to, to give to everyone who voted, obviously not, I mean, you know, not that I could, not that I could easily make, uh, 130 million, uh, exit polls for everyone to take, but I think this would be an interesting question to ask to see, you know, like be specific about like where you're watching your coverage, where you're getting it from, um, and, and your information from, I would love to see the contrast between, um, the people who voted for Biden to see where they got their information from and to see where Trump voters got their information from. Because I have a very—I mean, obviously there's going to be a Fox News versus whatever mainstream mm-hmm. outlets. That's that's obvious, but I I just bet that there's a lot of there's a lot of newer low information Trump voters that probably don't get their information from any TV source, from any right. legitimate online source. They're just on Twitter and on memes, is where they're getting their yeah. information
1: from. No, definitely, dude. And I would take that polling even further, and I would ask them like. Hey, or, or I would see if there was a way to monitor like Fox News's ratings compared to like OAN's ratings. And if, um, for example, like when Fox News called Arizona, I wonder if like the people like moved over to a more like
0: mm. hardcore
1: source of like, you know, the Trump drug and right. everything like that. I wonder right. if there was things like that migrating to different media outlets once the Arizona decision. Exactly. Was
0: made. Yeah, no, it just is one of those things that just kind of popped in my mind when I was asking that question, and I'm sure I'm sure there is I'm sure there is um you know some network does polling like that um I just you know you have, probably have to look for it, um but so I'm sure someone does that kind of stuff, so so just uh, to lead into this, what surprised you most about uh, about election night?
1: Okay, I'm going to answer this with a generic kind of answer, and we'll I want to we'll get into the details a little bit later on, but the fact that there was like no blue wave whatsoever, none whatsoever and leading up to it and some of the polls and everything, the way that that is, which is the part we're going to to talk about later. um, Yeah, they were completely wrong and they were wrong by like a lot. And uh, I, to a certain degree, I know you can't rely on the polling, but I was just surprised how much polling seemed to show the same Wrong results. And, um, that was one of the biggest surprises that I, um, that I saw on election night.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. We'll get into that. I, I, I wanted to save that for for a little bit later. Um, this is where I'm going to get a little bit more in depth on Chris Christie here. Um, okay. Chris Christie, he's a big red bastard. Um, like I I get it. He's an establishment Republican. Um, he's a Trumper because he's known Trump for like a long time, right? Like the New Jersey Mm -hmm. New York connection. Like I get that. Um, so, and, and I don't mind like having the opposition, quote unquote, on, on your networks. Like you said, Kellyanne Conway was on NBC. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is on Fox, is on Fox News. Um, yeah, all the time. Yeah. So like that kind of stuff, it, that doesn't bother me whatsoever. You know, CNN has plenty of hard right wing commentators come on. So that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. But it was like Chris Christie the entire night was always hearing good things about about certain states. I'm hearing great things about Wisconsin. I'm hearing great things about Nevada. I'm hearing great things about Pennsylvania. I'm hearing great things about Arizona. And I'm like, you know, I get that you are a cheerleader for for Trump to some degree. But can you put that cheerleading aside for one moment to acknowledge what's actually happening? Like, Wisconsin is close. Absolutely. But do you think that the people that you're hearing from are going to tell you anything otherwise?
1: No, that's they're obviously not right. Not a chance. So,
0: what's the point in like re? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point in just other than trying to be like a public, which is probably what it is, trying to be a public cheerleader uh, for Trump because you know Trump is watching uh, all of his people out on all the networks, you know, talk about this stuff. Um, but you know, so like that was a strange thing, and then he would just take the weirdest shots at Democrats and weirdest sure. shots at at Trump's political opponents, like out of nowhere when they were talking about, Florida. I shouldn't say it's out of nowhere, but it just like going several steps beyond where this conversation was, I guess. Um, like they're talking about Florida and you know, we're going to, I'm not going to get too deep into Florida cause I do have something to say about that later too. Um, talking about Florida, all of a sudden he's just like, you know who the biggest loser of the night is Mike Bloomberg and all the money he spent in Florida. Um, he's like, if anyone needs money, everyone wants to burn up dollars, go ahead and give Mike Bloomberg a call. I'm like, where the fuck did, you? You can even see Rahm Emanuel like, oh, that's where we're going right now. I didn't, I didn't realize that was on the agenda, and like, it's just, it's so bizarre. I, I think it's, I mean, like, how he is not a Fox News, a paid Fox News, um, you know, you know, talking head, shocks me. It just shocks me.
1: Yeah, dude. I am not a fan of like the Uber cheerleaders and the situation that you've described. I've seen with you know many other political figures, and also True. including Chris Christie. And it is just like keeping the con, the dream, the hope, whatever it is. It is just keeping it alive while also resulting back to this ridiculous personality that um, Trump has created for the party of always making starkey comments at Democrats and stuff, mm-hmm. and always, you know, trying to get that one comment any way you can, or scratch your finger or scratch your face, but you're using your middle finger to do it, like that kind of crap. It's, if, which I'm assuming has had to have been done at one point in time, but uh, that is the kind of stuff. That it just drives me insane. And you can tell that even in like the most like, you know, even CNN, you know, they still try to like do a decent job on the presentation. You know, it's not like Anderson Cooper and everybody over there is just completely like, my God, this fucking pig, you know, they're not calling names. They're not doing this, that and the other. They're not making like snarky comments for no reason. If they are making snarky comments, it's probably at the behest of – or probably firing back at somebody on the right making some kind of comments. Well, in
0: in fairness, Don Lemon does that. Oh, sorry. You're right. Don Lemon is a big – I'm not a particularly big fan of Don (laughs) Lemon, and he's actually – he's actually quote-unquote won awards for being the worst uh, broadcast journalist before. So, okay. Yeah. I totally forgot
1: that he was on CNN. That's right. I thought yeah. he was in an MSNB and MSNBC, but that does explain why I didn't see him on any of the NBC ads <laughs> yesterday. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, no, I, I completely get what you're saying here, man. It's, it's just annoying. Like I had the same thing with Rick Santorum. I oh, cannot God. stand watching Rick Santorum. He does the exact same thing. He's tried to like defend Trump in even the most undefendable like circumstances, like, Hey man, like, what do you think about the fact that he couldn't just say, like, you know, white supremacists suck or whatever during a debate? He's like, oh, man, well, I don't know. You know how really difficult it is for Trump to say bad things about people that like him? And I'm like, what are you? Or he's he's I, not I know. that word for word, but something like yeah, that. Yeah, Sam terms
0: uh, Yeah, exactly. Sam terms just a fucking Trump's Trump's hand is so far up his ass controlling his mouth. It's unbelievable. Mm hmm. I, it's
1: disgu- it is so disgusting, dude. I, I know what you're talking about, man, and that's NBC didn't have like any of that, thank God, because they would have just driven me nuts.
0: It was it was really surprising though after um Trump's and well I'm gonna amend this question when we get to it on the fly, so I'm gonna just talk about it right now. But um Trump's election night speech at like two o'clock in the fucking morning. Can't believe I stayed yep. up for that. Um I did. Well, yeah, but it was like Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, what, that's right. 9 yes. or 12. 11 for you whatever. 11:30. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. But um yeah, I can't believe I stayed up for that fucking bullshit. But like when they when they did cut back to when ABC cut back to their panel, Chris Christie's jaw about like fucking went through the floor. He was just like he's <laughs> like he's like I'm not speaking as a politician or a Republican. He's like I'm, I I'm going to speak as a former um prosecutor. That what he just said is the biggest, essentially what, what he just said is the biggest load of bullshit that anyone has ever said on election night. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> I mean, didn't obviously he didn't say that, but it was just paraphrasing right. and, and kind of reading between the lines. That's exactly what Chris Christie said. It's very interesting.
1: Yeah, well, people have to, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, there are certain times where, and this may be like. One of those things that make Chris Christie so appealable to people in New Jersey that they all think he's basically like a Springsteen song, gone politician. I don't know, whatever the hell they view that guy. But at some point in time, you have to step up and say those kind of things. And there are a whole lot of people that won't. And that's that's even more disturbing. But the yeah. fact that Chris Christie even stood up and said something like he's got you have to do that. That is the responsible thing at that point you know, in time. Even and I would Oh, okay, go ahead. No, that's it. I was just saying so, you have to do just,
0: it. Just it's you know what? Because I think it's even though he's a personal Trump friend and obviously a cheerleader, he's still an establishment Republican. That mm-hmm. that it probably if he wasn't friends with Trump, he might be more closely aligned with like the Lincoln Project.
1: Oh yeah, I, you make a really really good point there. That's that's right. And there we've talked about this before and like those. East coast Republicans and even like, you know, so like even like establishments Republicans, it's just a different kind it's of different, Republican. Yeah. It's not, it's not the Trump's like the hardcore Trump supporter. It's just different. And making that Lincoln project comparison totally can see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So what bit of info, what little like statistic, you know, whatever, did you learn on election night that you'll like remember going forward? Okay. It's, I mean, I knew this,
1: but this was so reinforced on election night is exactly how divided we are and i you hear this term hey we're divided we're so divided it's divided and that only to at least to me like the phrase and hearing it only kind of can go so far but to actually like see the numbers come in and i will say the amount of support that trump got in this election. Sort of, sort of surprised me. I, I mean, it surprised me, but it doesn't surprise me like all at the same time. And we're we're gonna get into all that stuff throughout the podcast too. But um, our, the division of this country and exactly how deep we are divided—it's something that um, was reinforced and just in so many different ways on Tuesday night.
0: Gotcha. I, you're, you are correct. You're correct. I'm not gonna disagree with you there. Obviously, we're very divided. Um, but I think. What we saw in action, what we saw in action last night, no- or excuse me, on Tuesday night, um, we're like it's like live shot of how, or like a, I guess it may be a snapshot of how demographics are rapidly shifting in our country. So mm-hmm. you know, the, some polls had uh, Biden up in Texas by as many as like five points, which right, you know, probably that's probably at the far end of polling anyway. Um, I think yeah. I think the general consensus was like a, a toss up and or Trump up by like one or two points. But so, and obviously Trump ended up winning. Not like shocking. They haven't gone for a Democrat since like 1976 or something like that. Um, but he's you know, like, Texas is one of the states going through a massive population boom. Like in the next like 20, 30 years, Austin might double in size. I mean, it might be like one of the, one of our like five biggest cities in the next like 20 to 30 years. Um, mm-hmm. But most of that growth is blue. So even though Trump won Texas, He didn't win Texas by the margin that most Republicans would win it by. Um, And so going forward, like state Senate races, you know, congressional races. And the next time the president's up, you know, in 2024, Texas might not be a Republican stronghold anymore. And then, you know, on the exact opposite of that, of that, of of that, you know, you have Florida that is it's not a swing state anymore. The Democrats probably need to give up on considering that a swing state because it's not. And then, and then you have sort of how, like we talk about, like you know, East Coast versus West Coast. Well, those sort of those sort of like political allegiance are now bleeding into everywhere else. So, like the Southwest, the Southwest looks like the West Coast. Why? Because a lot of people from California, Washington, and Oregon are moving to Nevada, moving to Arizona, uh, moving to mm-hmm. uh, even even Utah. Even though Utah still went, uh, even Utah st- still went red. So like you're seeing mm-hmm. more and more bleed over into like these, into more into the middle of the country. Same with even the Southeast, Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, those are becoming bluer and bluer every year. Yes, definitely. And I'm,
1: I'm going to react to each one of those really quickly. I'll start off with Florida. You're hundred percent right. Florida is not a swing state anymore. The Democrats need to let that go. Definitely. The whole thing with the Southwest, another very great point, California, Yeah, it's pretty ridiculously expensive out here. It's a whole completely different frame of living. And hey, by the way, if you still want that dry desert heat and the mountains and all that kind of stuff, you could go to Arizona where everything is a lot, a lot cheaper Mm -hmm. and have... A life that is somewhat comparable to what you would have in Cleveland, you know, making kind of like the money that you would make in Northeast Ohio, mm-hmm. I guess. So Arizona and all that is definitely a hotspot. People are also discovering that Utah is very beautiful. Yep. <laughs> so they're, they're like, I feel that this is the discovery that was should have been made a long time ago. But for some reason, everybody is just kind of finding out about it now. And Utah skiers, drove-
0: skiers, skiers know about Utah. That's who that's who's yeah, known that's about right. Utah forever. Skiers know about Utah.
1: Right. And now like everybody else is finding out about it because Mm -hmm. of all the Instagram videos and all the stuff. And I mean, it's very pretty. When I drove through Utah, I will, I will, I will kid you not. Utah was the most scenic and beautiful state that I drove through out of my entire trip. I
0: know we've mentioned it before, but like whenever you see like a Western or cowboy movie or whatever, it's probably Utah that they're shooting in, not Arizona (laughs) or California, New Mexico.
1: Right. It's that Monument Valley thing mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. That's over there. OK. Yeah. 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 So, dude. Yeah. So you're definitely hitting that 100 uh, percent on the head. Uh, same thing with the with the like the East Coast and the South and everything, like all that from D.C. and New York and everything. It is just bleeding, dripping on down there. That's how it's working. And you write about Texas. And I think the thing that people are really overlooking is that like Texas is a big ass, number one, is a big ass state and it's a big ass state with a lot, a lot of industry and mm-hmm. it's attracting all kinds of like, I guess tech, like, tech I, industry, I tech do... jobs,
0: a lot of tech te- jobs thank are you. blowing up in Texas. Te-
1: te- tech jobs, a lot of like, what I was going to say is like educated type jobs where you kind of like need to, you know, have some kind of degree or something. There's a lot of, education. I mean, there's all energy, everything. Mm -hmm. And believe me, there's a lot of opportunity down there for people who don't have a college degree. But that's what I'm saying is that tech and everything like it's attracting those kind of jobs. And guess what? Texas is also very, very affordable, too. It might be a little bit more expensive than Ohio, but for the most part, it's not California and it's definitely not New York City. Mm -hmm. So, hey, you want to deal with sunshine, you want to have the desert around you too, go to fucking Texas. And the more and more that Texas attracts these kind of jobs, the more and more people that are would lean Democratic, according to, I guess, like history, um, are going to be down there. And that is going to put Texas in play. Because once you get outside of these major cities, I mean, it, it's not much. And if Austin doubles in population or even adds what, what, not 25% more of the population, those are some real numbers. That's some real concerns mm-hmm. for um, Republicans, I
0: mean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be – would not be shocked if in the next – Sometime in the next fifteen years, sixteen years—I guess sixteen, probably—since we're always on like on you know on a four-year cycle. Um, sometime in the next sixteen years, that we don't have a republic or a Democratic uh, Texas governor.
1: Oh yeah, that's—I think that that'll happen in our lifetimes easily in the, the in twenty six by twenty sixty easily.
0: Yeah. Oh, for, I mean, at a long enough timeline for sure. There have been Democratic governors in the past, <laughs> and I think I think kind of like New York, how we talk about like New York Republicans. Texas Democrats are probably of a different breed too.
1: Yes, of course. Of course. I, they're, they're probably gun tooting and all this stuff. There's probably little things about them that I might disagree with, but Hey, that is Texas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so as opposed to your reaction to the election night speeches, since we've had a couple days to really, since we've had a couple days to sort of sit on this and see the general behavior of Biden and Trump, what are your, what's your reaction just overall to how the candidates are handling you know, this, this ongoing process? And like, what, what, you know, what are your feelings on that?
1: Okay. I, I think that they both should be doing what Biden is doing. And that is just basically, Hey guys, keep the faith. We're optimistic that we're going to do this. We, you know, our polling says this, not what Trump is doing, which is trying to discredit the election, file lawsuits, being very vocal on Twitter and all his tweet, most of his uh, tweets are getting flagged or mm-hmm. have some kind of notification on him, trying to spread misinformation, trying to basically like stir the pot, like, you know, uh, like start the fire or whatever you want to call it. That's not what to do in this situation. And honestly, I, I, this is probably my, me being one of the stupidest things you will probably hear this entire episode. And maybe not, I'll probably do some more dumb stuff, <laughs> but, um, when I saw Trump come out and I, I, you're right. It was 1130. out uh, here, I, I didn't make a point to kind of stay up for it. I don't know why I thought that he was just going to come out and say like, Hey, by the way, guys, we, um, you know, we're, we're still in it. It started <laughs> and, you know, off that keep, way. Keep the faith. It, it kind of did. <laughs> and then it just kind of seemed to go like off the rails from there. Like it, like it always does. And, He had a really great opportunity, man. He had a really, really good opportunity to just let this whole thing play its course. And I hate to say this, but it looks really, really weak when you're Mm -hmm. like constantly complaining and all that stuff. And then, number, and then this is the the thing I want to add on to this is that it looks really, really bad when you're trying to like say, hey, by the way, like, we're winning and we were winning and we're claiming and we you know be, uh, uh, right now we have a 600,000 vote lead yeah like it's great that you're making those statements but it looks really really bad when you're making it and on the election and on the screen there's the electoral vo- electoral college vote count in the bottom right hand corner that is showing you down by like 50 something votes it's just there's a lot, of, a lot of things that went wrong there, in, in my opinion. And he had an opportunity to just play it cool and let this whole thing ride its course. And then if you want to complain, maybe do it a little bit later on. But right now, it, it just looks like somebody who um, who knows that they're, they're losing and is kind of scrambling to, to, to try to uh, throw anything to the wall and see what sticks.
0: Yep, I, I'm with you 100%. I'm going to steal a quote from Super Troopers desperation nice. is a stinky cologne um, <laughs> yes <laughs> Trump fucking stinks right now of desperation man it it's these are the actions of of, of, of someone who knows they're gonna lose and they're not good at, and they're not good at losing obviously this is you know the election night speech was not that it was honestly it's not shocking that he came out and did that not even remotely surprised but like how he's continuing to flail around like a little child who didn't get his way is just like, it's like, dude, I, I mean, this is how you're going to leave office, right? Like this is, uh, you know, if, whether it's, whether it's at the end, whether it's, you know, tomorrow or, or I should say by the time this podcast comes out, comes out or sometimes, or sometime later, um, like this is how he's, this is how he's going to leave, right? Like this is, if, if he loses this election, this is how he's going to leave. When he leaves, if, you know, if he does win again and he leaves four years from now, He's going to leave in much the same manner. Like whoever, you mm-hmm. know, whoever the, you know, whoever the president, you know, whoever the president elect is, you know, it's going to, especially if it's a Democrat, you know, it's going to be bitchy and complaining about any- anything. This is just how he's going to leave because he's a piece of shit.
1: No, Dude, you're a hundred percent right on this. And like, I'm telling you, man, there's just, there's so much opportunity here for him to even maybe try to even make a convincing, somewhat of a convincing argument to the public like even people that maybe didn't vote for him or whatever, it's some kind of way to not look like the way he's looking. And it just completely threw it out the window, you know? And I, I don't like, I just, I just don't get it, man. I really do not understand. It just has to be his sick mind. And like, it's even stupider of me to think that he would have done anything else. I,
0: I, I have a theory uh, of my own conspiracy theory. And it's not really that, it's not that outlandish. Um, but I have a theory that, cause he was supposed to go on more like around mm-hmm. 1230 or one o'clock was when we first got word that, um, that he was going to talk at the white house. And yeah, I, th- I think I want to say like 1230. It was like when he was, or it was announced at 1230 that in a little bit, Trump's going to talk. Um, okay. And obviously it didn't happen for another hour and a half. Like they kept checking back in with, forgot, I forgot who ABC's correspondent was. Um, who was at the White House? They kept checking back in. She's like, "Yep, I we don't know, we have nothing, yep. we have no information." When he comes out here, he's, we know that he's going to talk. They set up a podium. They have people are being assembled in, I think, the East Room. But we don't. We have no idea what's going on from there. And obviously, then it comes out of t- you know an hour and a half later. Um, my my conspiracy theory is that he and Pence and everyone else were trying to convince him to give the Biden speech. But, you know, like, hey, we're in this, mm-hmm. we're hanging around, we're going to do it, we like the way the numbers look, just, you know, but the, this is going to take longer, um, blah, 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 you know, just say all the right things, all the right platitudes, everything else, Um, and then right. you know, the, the finish with the old God bless America. And I really feel like the speech was starting off that way, that he just decided to go, fuck it, I, I don't, I'm not doing what they told me to do.
1: Dude, that is a good conspiracy theory as as it could be, man. And that's that's why we had to wait an hour
0: and a half for him to talk.
1: Yeah, Uh, Jess and I have been entertaining our own uh, theory, which, um, like, it's a little more like on the crazier side because you know it's obviously coming from myself. And uh, I was saying that um, one of the reasons that this whole thing got postponed because it was the same thing. It was NBC was going back and forth between uh, their in the room coverage and Hallie Jackson, who was their reporter on the ground in front of the White House. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were doing this delay, delay, Hey, five more minutes, five more minutes, whatever. So our conspiracy theory is that um, up until Arizona was going to be called where up until Arizona got called, his plan was to go out there and basically say, hey, I won. Like, look at everything. Arizona, all this stuff, I mm-hmm. won. And then Fox News called Arizona, and this is the conspiracy theory part, as just like one, like, just like basically like a fuck you to him for all just the um just kind of stupid bashing that he's done yeah. with the network and stuff. And, you know, I mean, we have talked about this before, that um, not everybody there is a total piece of shit. You know, they have some resemblance of. Oh, sure you know, normal reporting, I guess. So it is basically like the, uh, Chris Wallace and Brett Bayers of the world, them giving like one big middle finger just to go (laughs) out on. And, and that totally took them off by surprise. They did not think that that was going to come. And what happened is, is that they were, Completely reorganizing everything, and it could have been right. Like your plan, like, hey, I'm just going to go out and give this speech. It could have been, hey, let's just go out and call the, say we won anyway. Yeah, they'll fucking believe us. But um, I think that the Arizona thing threw a complete railroad spike in their plan, and they just, you're right. It it was probably like Pence trying to convince them just go out, do do what Biden did, just do it and go on, and then no, 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 and then maybe. Maybe they finally kind of convince them and they just yep, fuck it. I'm Donald Trump. I'm going to do whatever I want. And this is what happened.
0: Yeah. It's I, you know what? I think, I think all, everything we just said probably is correct in some, at least some of it, that's correct.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I hope it's the Fox news thing. That is the one thing I hope. I,
0: it did. It definitely did upset them. Like they were scrambling and calling, they called, um, uh, what's who's the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey. I think oh, I think so. They called Doug yeah, Ducey, yes it is. Yeah. They called they called Rupert Murdoch to try to or Rupert Murdoch's son. I think he might be Rupert Murdoch Jr. actually, but uh, whoever essentially who's in control of of Fox currently. Um, they even called like them to sort of get them to retract it. And it's like, well we can't like tell the on-air talent to do what you like even Murdoch was like we can't like tell the on-air talent to do like what you want them to do. So, uh, you know, if they agree with you, they agree with you, but like, we can't tell them to do that. So like, there's that for sure. Like there was conversations about that. I I, like, I think I just, all of this, I think all of I think we're both correct. Basically is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I, that's how I see it. And and believe me, there are people, um, as you've seen probably today, shouting Fox news sucks outside of polling locations. And I mean, it's just, it's lunacy. It is absolute lunacy.
0: It's lunacy, and it's, it's kind of expected. Honestly, it's kind yeah. of expected. But uh, anyway, surprising but not surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I understand. Um, just to just to wrap up here, what is at least with this section? Um, what is the most aggravating Facebook, or we'll just expand it called social media? But the most aggravating social media post that you saw um, on election. Well, we could even stretch it to stretch it to today. <laughs> but regarding the election, the most aggravating social media post you saw
1: i've seen a lot of them i really have uh the one thing that i think is worth bringing up on the podcast is um is something that is just an outright example of not what you should do in any way shape or form in the world is uh some asshole i i i honestly don't even want to remember his name i can't tell you what it is to be honest with you he put a tweet out that caught a little bit of um a little bit of traction um, even from people on the left making fun of him that said like like, hey, Cindy McCain, look what you just did or something, referencing the, the Arizona flip and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'm just like, okay, man, like look, now you're like going after Cindy McCain, like as if, like, as if like you didn't get all that hostility out of your system going after a pow now you're going after the guy's wife it's just I don't know it's now I know that there are definitely more obnoxious tweets than that that have been put out there but that is just one that I could I been mean, like yeah I could believe that it got that much traction but it's just like a really 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 ugly thing to say on top of just many many ugly things that have been said online in the last uh, 48 hmm. hours
0: um yeah no I'm with you on that one um but again I could, could kind of see that one coming um, as, as soon as Arizona came in play, I could see yeah. that coming. Um, yeah. So one of our mutual friends who shall remain nameless, uh, on air, at least for this, I've, I've seen this from them over the past, like, couple of weeks. And on, when they went to go vote mm-hmm. on Tuesday, they, they put up a post that said, I, I'm still undecided on who to vote for. Should I vote for Joseph Trump or Donald Biden? Um, you know, doing that whole. Oh, they're politicians. Both sides are the same. Uh, a, fuck you. They are not the same. Fuck you right. if you think there's any semblance of uh, of Trump and Biden sharing the same values. If you're, are you, are a lot of people disenfranchised by the American political system? Of course, most of the, or, you know, uh, yeah, most of the country didn't vote. So um, right. there are people that are definitely disenfranchised by this. But like. Going, going online and pretending like that these are the same people. Have you not been? Paying, have you been willfully ignorant the past four years? I, I, I'm not even like, like personally, Biden wouldn't be my particular candidate to push forward for many reasons as the presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like just because it's not the person I prefer that he's just the same as Donald Trump because he is fucking not. R-
1: Right. And I, I don't know who that is we'll, we'll, to tell me when we're off air yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I, I probably have seen that. Tweet. I know I, I've seen a couple variations of that tweet and that is, you're right. It is completely complete fucking bullshit, dude. And you're right. That is just somebody who has social blind world blinders on, has no concept of anything whatsoever. These are two people that are of two completely different uh, sets of character. One being good. The other one being fucking horrible. And, um, I don't know how anybody like has any problem, like differentiating between the two. That is just like, that's just like absolutely fucking awful and stuff. And like, it's just this stupid, like level of sarcasm that people are trying to be at, like trying to play into this whole, like, everybody in the government is bad and you're right. There's probably a lot of bad people in there and there's probably a sure. whole lot of shit that we don't get know about. And we're getting raked over the coals in ways that I can't even tell you. But for the most part, like when it comes to this specific election, these two individuals are in no way, shape or form the same. And that, that is just that that's like embarrassing and ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It, that, that really aggravated me. There's another one that aggravated me and I won't get too deep into this. It's that people posting some variation of like, no matter what happens, you got to love your neighbor cuz after this election there's still going to be your you know still going to be your neighbors, still going to be your family right. members, still going to be like you know no matter what you still have to love yeah. them. I'm like okay, this is coming from someone who clearly their civil rights aren't at stake. Um right. because uh, you know like what if what if you know in the next coming months uh the now very conservative supreme court strips um you know the gay rights. You know you can't bury your partner anymore. Right. Like I know that this is it's a very short-sighted and privileged sort of I get the sentiment behind it, but it's very short-sighted and very privileged to fucking say something like that online.
1: Oh dude, of course, man. And there's like there's a lot of people out there that really just have no consideration for for other people, like none whatsoever. And I got to tell you like to a certain degree, like I myself I could I could definitely be like a little bit more worldly and a little bit more aware of Sure. things in the world and stuff like that I I know this I know that I could be this and everything but like those kind of people Sound like the exact same people that when the George Floyd death happened, that they're the one posting pictures of Martin Luther King and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like this is how he did it, and or some some dumbass crap like that. That's like backhanded, right. backhanded racism in some way, shape, right. or form. And then and then they post this whole like love thy neighbor thing. Like they're actually going to do that shit in the first place. It's disgusting.
0: Well, if if you loved your LGBTQ neighbors, your black neighbors. Your whatever neighbors, um, then maybe you wouldn't vote for someone who fucking hates them.
1: Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're right, dude. Just throwing yep, that out yep, there. Yep, oh yeah, well, I'm gonna. We're gonna get into all that in a little bit for sure, man. I, that will go responded to in some way, shape, or form yeah. this episode. I promise.
0: <laughs> all right, now we're gonna move into a little section here. I called polling wars. I think this is. I think this is important to talk about. And I, I sent you a couple articles as sort of like background information. That's gonna you know just mm-hmm. to fill you in on some of the some of the stuff that's going around um that especially in 2016 versus 2020 um one article i sent chema um it's about the trafalgar group it's like an in, a more in-depth look at the trafalgar group which is like the only um non-partisan group that called decidedly called, like very confidently called trump the winner um in uh, in 2016 and that was headed up by was it robert robert kahali or kahali i'm not really sure how you pronounce his name um and another pollster, uh, working out of a project out of USC, um, uh, Ari Captain, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. his name. And basically, they were the only two that sort of saw Trump coming. Um, and you know, and they again in 2020 saw the same idea. And the idea behind it is that there's a tr- is that there's a this shy Trump vote or the shy Trump voter. And then there's some. The other article we looked at was from The Hill and sort of the kind of the the firestorm that their that their projects um, have kind of stirred up in the the you know the if you will the establishment polling community god damn it sounds so fucking pretentious but um sure. the establishment polling community if you will that kind of fear that they kind of stirred um so having read those two articles and just kind of as you as we've now seen the election kind of unfold how does the idea of a shy or submerged trump vote like feel to you okay dude like i gotta tell you on a personal level
1: like i i kind of don't understand it like and but that is but that is me because i would be so forthcoming with who i'm voting for believe me everybody everybody knows however i am i'm not surprised at this phenomenon at all like i'm really not and the way that the world is nowadays, like I, I will throw this term out there, like if you want to call it cancel culture, if you want to call it fear of being judged or mm-hmm. fear of association, whatever it is, there's a lot of anxiety for people, you know, the for Trump supporters that aren't the very, very forthcoming Trump supporter that you see uh, right. in rallies and uh, in Comedy Central videos and stuff right. like that. Yeah, no, I, so,
0: I. Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and finish. Oh, up, ahead.
1: I was just, yeah, just gonna, just to like, Uh. just to say that, like, yeah, man, I, I, I'm back to the whole personal thing, which I will round it out is like, I just, like, I'm telling you, like, I, I just, I wouldn't be like that, which is why this phenomenon, um, is, is a little bit difficult for me to grasp. But however, I, I, I believe it. I do believe it.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I have like sort of the same sentiment in that it's obviously it's you know these things are theories and like everything's a theory um when it comes to statistics mathematics i mean technically speaking one plus one is a theory that it equals two but nonetheless we won't won't get into that um but this is a very plausible statistical theory that i don't think you can ever you'll never be able to get a full answer on because it's where it's where statistics meets sociology Right and, mm-hmm. and and psychology it, it meets it meets like the the it meets the hu it's where numbers meet the human stuff, and so I don't think you'll ever really get a, a solid answer to this, but I do think that there is something about you know when we when we you turn on the news you see like the crazy insane Trump rallies, that's clearly not all the people because you and I both right. know Trump voters that are not like that, that aren't yep. going to go to a rally aren't going to, you know, drive around in their fucking truck with like 30 Trump flags adorned to it. Um, we know people like that. But I, I think this is it's obviously a plausible statistical theory, but I think it's too simplistic to say that social pr- negative social pressure or the idea of being embarrassed about supporting Trump is the only reason why they would vote for Trump. I think there are too many other, uh, you know, as I said, I think there are too many other human variables Sociological variables, psychological variables that would push someone to vote for Trump versus social pressure, uh, social pressure.
1: No, dude, I definitely hear what you're saying there. And you're right. It does sound a little bit basic for it. It sounds like a basic solution for something that is such a complicated problem. You know what I'm saying? Like it's very, very, very rarely do all these things line up. And the answer is just unplug it and plug it back in again. It's not right. how those kind of situations work and stuff. So you're right. There's definitely something there, but for, for me personally, I don't really know like what else I could put it on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I just, I honestly don't quite get it. And this could maybe be me overestimating this cancel culture culture that we have, or it could just basically just me be, Outright being naive, but um, yeah, I just like I I just don't believe that um, the what you're saying. Like, I believe what you're saying is that it's that they're sorry that there's so many different factors and it's just it's complicated as hell. But something's got to give, and I just don't know what else it could be.
0: Mm-hmm. So after four years of a Trump presidency, what could you point to any reasons that there would still be shy voters? Right, like after four years of us. Of people like basically drawing battle lines why do you think there would be people that are still shy about picking sides or at least publicly picking sides
1: like okay like to take a, just to take away any of the judgment from work and all that stuff like it could be things within the family you know it could be something mm. like you have a husband that's a gung-ho trump supporter but you're um You know you're as a as a um as a wife of a trump supporter you're offended by maybe some of his rhetoric and there are definitely women that idolize the shit out of rbg and the fact that he just basically trounced all over Mm -hmm. that legacy in eight days no less like you know there's a lot of there's sorry but there's a lot of people out there that and for the that's a bad example with rbg but um you know there's just people out there that might be you know that just basically aren't afraid are afraid to say it like within the house and within their own like on the personal level, like in yeah. the family, like not really caring about work, but these are the people that like you care about and you just maybe don't want to have the question. You maybe see how animate somebody gets over politics and you're just like, yeah, just, I mean, I'm not going to talk about it or yeah, Biden's great. I'm just going to vote for him. But in all reality, this is what you feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I gotcha. I understand that. And I agree with that. I think that's, I think that's definitely, like I said, there's a dozen, there's dozens of factors, Um dozens yeah, of reasons. And, and I think that's definitely wanna, uh, totally plausible. Oh, uh, uh,
1: let me one, one more right, right by it really quick. And this is just something I was thinking about. And I, I believe that there is this like fear of association and let's just say that it has nothing to do with, you know, uh, Tammy from HR getting on your shits and, or maybe it doesn't even really have anything to do with like your, you being uh, different than your husband or your, your mother or your father, whatever it is. But like, there might, I, I, there's got to be some kind of thing with just not wanting to be associated with what they see on TV, which is sure. just this crazy level of, of – it's just absurd and it's like really fucking obnoxious. And believe me, I know that it exists on the left and I'm not a fan of it on the left either. So, mm-hmm. um, But I will tell you that I just – there's got to be something. Like they just don't want to be associated with that. They don't want people to think that, hey, like by the way, like I – You know, like, I may believe some of the stuff that he says, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go out there and say, you know, F the libs and screw you, Chuck and Nancy, all that stuff like that may not be that person. But it does beg a lot of the question, which, you know, I will probably be touching on this often, is that, well, where do you draw the line? Like, how do you, like, you may not, you may, like, be appalled by the whole, like, kids is in cages thing, but the him mocking a disabled reporter, like, that's okay. Or, hey, you're not OK with the kids in cages. You're not OK with him mocking a disabled reporter. But, yeah, all the people that accused him of all the—they're liars, like all of those people mm. who are accusing him of stuff, they're all liars. Like it just makes me wonder. And this is more like I guess like on a, you, I would never know the answer to this on, on a macro. It would have to be done individually. It's just where that line is for you. What are you willing to turn the blind eye to? Yeah,
0: exactly. I th- that is very well said. That is very, very well said. I, li- I like all those points. To, you're, you're bringing up great, very good stuff there. Um, I'm, I'm just going to add to it that we now know, you know, you know, 48 hours or so after um, Election Day began, we now know that, or actually more than that, um, but um, we now know that there were a lot of new Trump voters, that Trump actually grew the base, his base, quite a bit, and mm-hmm. um, and i'm i'm guessing that because there are a lot of new trump voters that they aren't as vocal in their support because they haven't been going to rallies, they haven't been going to um you know, they haven't been going to harass biden buses and trucks. Um right. they haven't been doing that stuff the entire time. So they're newer to it, they think they're going to go for trump, but they're not like in other words they're just dipping a toe into what um, into what Trump represents and everything else, they think they're going to go that direction, but they're not full throated uh, in favor of Trump because they are so new to him. Dude, that could be
1: very, very well too. Like you're right. If you, I mean, he did grow his base. That is undeniable. Like I've se- seen some of these numbers and everything. He did grow that. So you're right. If it is something that you are newer to, you're you're definitely not going to be as vocal about it. That that's human yeah. nature.
0: I just yeah, I just think that's that's definitely one reason. One thing, one reason why, um, and as we are probably going to talk about here in a second, one reason why these races in some states were even closer than we thought. Um, Mm -hmm. So what do you think that any, are there any downsides to the media relying so heavily on polling data to, to, you know, for our our election predictions and even like the weeks leading up to all the predictions and stuff?
1: Okay. Well, I'll tell you, there's some really simple things. Like I don't just in general, they may not be getting an accurate sample size. Uh, and aside from the whole Trump shy voter phenomenon, like a lot of this polling is done via landline phones, mm-hmm. which, you know, not a, a lot of people really have anymore. It actually involves talking on the phone. Like I'm going to fucking do that to a stranger or just in general period. Right. <laughs> but, um, so like, uh, they're not necessarily getting what I consider to be a definitive example of the country. And like, they may hunt down people specifically and, you know, test people the same way you would like a jury and stuff. But in general, I just don't believe that they're getting a good representation. And I will tell you like another thing, and this is on the personal side is that when they rely on heavy on it, I have a tendency of relying heavy on it too, because I know that there's a certain level of not trusting the media, but it seems like polling, which has been kind of like a concrete thing for a majority of my conscious lifetime, is that polling was a good way to assess certain situations. And basically up until 2016, um, a lot of polling that I have seen turned out to be correct. And now in the last uh, four years or so, twice in the last four years, it is not like that. And it's, it's basically throwing me off, you know, like I'm personally in a state of like, is this even worth like paying attention to anymore? And I don't know, like sometimes when you uh, hear a lot of good things and you hear things that reinforce your own belief, it kind of creates a safety net around you and you start to hear things like blue wave and Hey, like Texas is in play now and all this other stuff and some of these talking points that we heard. And now I did obviously realize that not everybody was going to be right about those. But there was a little bit of—I gave myself a little bit too much of like a safety net, and when that safety net was pulled away from me, there was just like a little bit of like a disorientation in my emotion and stuff like that. And was, and which is now leading me to the conclusions that I'm probably done following polls for the rest of my
0: life. You hit so many things so well there. I one, I think you should just get off the podcast right now and quit while you're ahead. Yep. But go into the bathroom right yeah. now. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, you you hit. <laughs> everything that i that I was kind of thinking about and I think you did it much more eloquently that you're you're so right that there's like this there's like this you know just starting from the you know kind of going going backwards from where you ended up here there's like just sort of this like confusion and potential to be like emotionally crushed because you you trusted you're right that polling data for so many years of our lives has been accurate and recently mm-hmm. it's been very inaccurate um, or I shouldn't say very inaccurate, but it's been just outside the margins that we're kind of used to, and you know the, the you know five points doesn't seem like a lot, except for that might represent twenty million people. So like it's right. it, it is a yeah. big you know it's a, it's a big or maybe not twenty million, but it's a big number. Um, so yeah, there's like this weird sort of like disorientation when when the when for weeks you're hearing for weeks you're hearing like Biden is up by fourteen points in Wisconsin. Well, we fucking know that, that wasn't true. Not even remotely true. Right. Um, yep. yep that's the exact
1: example. Yep, totally. Yep.
0: Biden's up Biden's up by I think they had him up at some at some point 7 or 8 points in Pennsylvania. We know that that's not true. Um, mm-hmm. so you're dead on with that. And and just sort of to add to that, I think that if you if, if let's just say in 2024, um I can't imagine that Biden is going to run again in 2024. He'll be 82 um i can't imagine he does so let's just say i would my guess would be that they run kamala harris kamala harris um as the presidential mm-hmm. candidate so let's just say all the polls show kamala harris up against i no i no clue i don't know Let's ivanka trump um up against huh? her by you know nationally 20 points you know in florida she's even got a lead in ohio she's up by 15 points pennsylvania she's up by double digits there's a real potential to dissuade people from voting because it looks like it's a fucking done deal no matter what.
1: Yes. Yes, that is exactly right. And that that is a factor of that security blanket that I was talking about, because I'm not going to if like if I was just somebody who was new to politics, like just new in general, maybe this is the first election you're going to vote in. I'm not going to lie. I'd kind of be turned off by that. If I found out that my guy was doing so good anyway, why the hell should I go stand mm-hmm. in line for three hours in the fucking cold? You know, like there's a definite dissuasion of voters um, when those statistics come out. And that that's very dangerous because it discourages people from participating in something that they have a right to participate in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And and just to flip that on the other side, if you if you saw that your candidate had no chance to win Ohio or had no chance to win California, why bother?
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. That is definitely right. Yep, of course.
0: So, yeah, there you go. I like it. Um, So, any... um, You get into the question here that I think we're both going to open up a little bit more about. Any polling shocks or surprises on Tuesday?
1: Okay. I hinted at it earlier in the episode, this lack of a blue wave. In fact, it was actually, like, kind of like the Republicans gaining a lot of territory. That was some of the stuff that shocked me. Now, like, let's just, like, put aside, like, the fact that, um... Um, I, I, that I, you know, like was wanting the, the Democrats to take over here. But there were certain things that I was like, wow, they should be a shoe in and just completely like it f- just completely like went like Susan Collins, for example, like I was like, OK, there's no way in hell that she's going to still stick around. No, she's still there. Mm-hmm. I thought Jamie Harrison had a chance. Like mm-hmm. I really I that guy was very very impressive to me I, I didn't obviously get to know him as well as some of the people in south carolina did but from what i have seen of him the guy's great he got killed amy mcgrath who is a fucking military vet got crushed by Mitch mcconnell okay and a lot of this polling stuff maybe not so much with mcconnell but a lot of these all kind of uh at least hinted at tighter races and that was, that was definitely, like, not the case. And, like, we should be thanking God that um, Mark Kelly in Arizona pulled it out and that Colorado is starting to um to lean left and everything with Hickenlooper getting because, uh, I'm not going to lie, without those two advances, um, it would have looked a lot grimmer of a situation, um, at least in my mind, because I was blown away by how off everything was.
0: You, you're dead on. Chris Christie even brought up about, like, you know, he was – it was towards the end of their, <clears throat> excuse me, it was towards the end of their coverage. And, um, or, yeah, it was, yeah, it was probably 1.30 in the morning, so they're getting down, to, winding down the end of their coverage. And Chris Christie even, like, brought this up. He's like, you know, he's like, w- people are going to look at this as, like, a, sh- you know, potential shocking defeat for Trump. We, you know, the Re- Republicans kept control of the Senate. They made gains in the House. And you even go farther down ballot in state elections, go- there's now more Republican governors than there were before. Uh, go yep. down to state senate and state, you know, state congress or state representatives. Mm-hmm. There's more Republicans now. Like he's like they made gains everywhere. It wasn't a, probably not yeah. a red wave, but certainly a red shift.
1: Yes, definitely, they pulled out way way better than I had originally anticipated, and stuff like that. I just I even thought, take aside, get the polling data out of there. I would have just even thought that the state of the country would have woken people in, up enough to go get to the polls and maybe vote these people out, it, considering I've heard Democrat, there's more Democrats in the world, mm. but are in the, in the United States. But um, that definitely did not seem to be the case. And it makes me worrisome for the future where if a pandemic is not gonna motivate, if a pandemic and hatred of Donald Trump is not gonna go motivate the Democratic Party to get out and vote, then what will? Because the Republicans are going to show up to the polls every fucking time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're dead on there. Um, yeah, you're dead on there. Um, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Just mine will be pretty quick here. It just not that I. I never at one point in time thought that Biden was going to win Florida. Because Florida is it's a red state now, and that's probably that's probably that for for a couple generations. Uh, Florida is going to be a red state. Um. But I am shocked at how miserably the Democrats performed in Florida. In South Florida, especially. How the polling numbers looked quite good. And when he got down to South Florida, he got down to Miami-Dade. He got down to Broward County. Um, those polling numbers looked pretty solid for for Biden. And they got fucking trounced there. They got fucking trounced in Miami-Dade. Like, almost as if they weren't even there. And Right. So, sort of... Chris, you know, I mentioned Chris Christie's weird shot at Bloomberg. It wasn't that it was like out of left field. It's just they weren't really talking about the situation in Florida. But look at how Mm -hmm. much money Mike Bloomberg poured into Florida and they got clobbered.
1: Right. I know, man. It's Florida. You're right. It's a red state now. It's it's going to be for a very, very, very long time. And I was very, very shocked. At their performance in Dade and Broward and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people are really rushing to judge um, or really rushing to the judgment or the assessment that the Democrats like just dropped the ball with the Latino vote on this one. Like, there's, um, I guess, a, a big yeah. Cuban and Venezuelan population in Cuban, those areas of Venezuelan Florida.
0: Venezuelan and Nicaraguan, and they guess guess what? All of those, you know, their backgrounds. Guess what? All of those countries' regimes are.
1: They're in. Like in Cuba, like the communist area. Communist and socialist
0: stuff. regimes. Um, so going down into South Florida with Venezuelans, with Cubans, with Nicaraguans, and repeating the message that socialism is coming to your front door, again, if you vote Biden, mm-hmm. that message worked.
1: Right, it did. Yes, you bet. And I, um, nothing could be further from the truth, obviously, but it was a message that st- stuck with people and— mm-hmm obviously that they had the experience coming from socialist and communist countries that, that aren't Norway. <laughs> so like, right. it's, um, th- those kinds of things are going to resonate with those type of voters. And not to mention that, like the democratic party really has to do more for the Latino vote other than like, Hey, by the way, like we're okay with your family coming here. You know, they need to offer, right. they need to offer more than that. They need to offer pathways to citizenship. They need to offer like, just basically ways for the Latino vote to or for people that have come in from other countries to succeed here in America. And I will tell you that I did not hear any of that from the Biden campaign. Nope. And they did offer a little <clears> bit <throat> more than, hey, by the way, I'm not Donald Trump. Like there was some stuff, you know, out there, but there was nothing aimed at um, at the Latino vote whatsoever.
0: No, no, there, there, there really wasn't. Um, And it's not going to be shocking. It's not going to be shocking. Like whenever we get our first um, Latino or Latina president, it's not going to be shocking when she's when he or she is a Republican from Florida. Right.
1: You're right. And I think that if um, if it comes down to the the battle of the minority vote, the uh, Democrats are definitely going for the the African-American vote and captured a lot of that but the republicans are are they're aiming for the latino vote and the like you know the latino vote is one of the li- largest rising uh, voting demographics in the country so they're they're making a pretty good play
0: yep yep absolutely uh, so there you go that's that's a little section on polling there i don't think we need to get any more in depth on it unless you have any other any other final polling thoughts
1: <laughs> i have none i'm just i'm done like i'm done with the polling stuff yeah. from now on i'm
0: done we'll see we'll see what polling culture looks like going forward um if if they do more of a um trafalgar group kind of you know you know kind of analysis or if it does stay more traditional like with your Gallup polls and your associated press polls etc 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 uh we'll see It'd be very interesting moving forward though um let's talk now about political cults and extremists um i'm actually really excited mm-hmm. to talk about the political cults because that's a new phenomenon um yep so but but to start off here let's start off with trumpism i think that to some degree it qualifies at least partially as a political cult but uh for you the defining feature of trumpism
1: okay i'm gonna keep this answer simple and then i'm gonna expand in the next one the okay. defining feature of trumpism is obedience and absolution
0: interesting very interesting okay i like that i I'm, that I'll, I'll keep mine i'll keep mine brief too that uh, the defining feature for me is childishness.
1: Okay, <laughs> No, I agree with you on that one, too. I, I definitely will agree with you on that one, too, for sure.
0: It, it's childishness, and... Uh, let me. You know what? Let me go ahead and expand, because I'll, I'll do mine first, because yeah, I'm really go curious for to hear yours. Um, so it's childishness. It's that... <clears throat> sort of... The idea that, like, it's okay to throw a tantrum when you don't get what you want. It's okay... To be the rudest, crudest, least composed person in the room. It's okay to it's okay to wallow in your own. Um, you know, it's okay to wallow around and be sad and be very. It basically, like a child, you do not have full control over your emotions. You're impulsive. Your brain, you know, children, their brains haven't developed um, all the. All the more intricate workings Like to handle their emotions To not be impulsive To not do this To not do that And it feels like It feels like people that fall into this Trumpism thing Are are just They act and behave in public Like a fucking seven year old would A seven year old having mm-hmm. an emotional tantrum a, fizz, a meltdown They're pouting They're sh- fucking shit in their pants And everyone has to smell it And that's That's what I see When I see like these Trump rallies with people yelling and screaming, like you said, like laughing at someone making fun of someone who's, um, who's handicapped because like that's something a child would do not understanding the full ramifications of what that means. And just to me, all these people who are, and again, this is not every single Trump voter, but the people that really fall under the spell of Trumpism, they just, they act like children.
1: That is exactly, exactly right, dude. There is, no awareness for anybody else's emotion. It is all you, 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 and everybody be just be focused on you and you're going to be loud and vocal about the way you feel. And if people don't agree with you, you're the fucking problem. It's not them. And this whole like level of obnoxious thing, like, believe me, like I said before, there are obnoxious things on on people on both sides of this equation. But for this, this is a whole new fucking level of obnoxiousness and just, When you hear about even guys like Dr. Fauci getting death threats or even people saying negative shit to Dr. Fauci at all, it's ridiculous. That is crap that like high school kids would do. They would Mm -hmm. find and just, you know, bully and do whatever they could to make that person's life a living hell. And this is not just specific to him. This is like for everybody. Like this is every fucking person. Like I will guarantee you that when, um, the news broke about the, G- the Gretchen Whitmer, um, plot and everything, mm-hmm. there were probably a whole bunch of people that were like, man, I can't believe the FBI foiled this plan. We were going to get that bitch or whatever, they were, yeah. whatever they're calling her, you know? And it's, a uh, it's, it's ridiculous, man. And it's a very, very ugly side of society because, um, most of my life, this was not in politics okay we didn't have whiny politicians we we had enthusiasts on each side of their fan base sure. and everything but it was it was just never like this and this this imagery i don't find to be good imagery like or or anything about it this is just all bad and awful and it's really just infantile and disgusting
0: mhm yeah that's yeah infantile i probably could use that word too but um <laughs> But regardless, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's just, it feels, it, there is, I remember this video of someone who went to, who went to a Trump rally. I think it might have been the controversial one in Tulsa over the summer that was, okay. would have been on Juneteenth, but they moved it to the next day. And even then it like, it, it sparked a whole bunch of COVID cases. Um, right. <clears throat> that a guy went, a guy went to this rally where, I mean, he's like regular clothes, like shorts, t-shirt, whatever. And then he had a diaper on over top of his shorts that had like a painted on brown stain in the ass with a picture of Mm -hmm. Joe Biden or I think it was Joe Biden. And like, I'm like, and he was like, yeah, it's Joe Biden. He's he's just a baby that shits his pants. I'm like, no, you literally are posing as a baby shitting their pants because you're a fucking infantile fucking moron. And I'm like, when did, I'm I'm sorry. There's an actual adult man wearing a shit stain diaper to a rally. Yeah. In public, no
1: less. He's on TV doing this. Proudly doing it. Like a child. Yeah. And if this guy ever like loses his job, for example, this might, you know, be something that somebody could find and be like, oh yeah, we're going to hire this guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are you kidding me? Yep. Yeah, dude. And they're all, it's like, I'm telling you, man, it's like being high on something where you just, you there's no way in hell that that guy would have done that eight years ago. No way. No, he could have hated no. Obama to death and he would never do that shit. Nope. But now it's acceptable. Now it's encouraged. He could get on Trump's Twitter feed and get, uh, you know, get 80,000 likes in 25 minutes because the president uh, retweeted the image of this guy with Biden and stuff. It's disgusting.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, Gaslighting nonsense. I know. It's it's insane. Uh, so in your mind, then, what sets Trumpism apart from traditional traditional political affiliations and factions like obviously you know you have your general conservatives versus liberals but like within the conservatives you have factions like the tea party faction um within you know the liberals you know within the liberals well within the democrats you have liberals you have bernie progressives you have you know different factions there Mm -hmm. so what makes trumpism different from any of those
1: Okay, so this, this goes back to the first question, Mm -hmm. the defining feature sets them apart. And this is disobedience and absolution. Okay. And, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong with some of these like kind of preliminary assessments. But I know, I know that there's always been fighting on both sides of the aisle in politics. It comes with the territory. Okay. But in, in our previous lives, I seem to remember more like Democrats sticking up to Clinton. There were Democrats defying Obama. There were Republicans taking it up with George Bush. You know, there was a real kind of like this person is the president and like almost like the rest of the government was us versus the president when we have to be. And we're with the president when we have to be kind of mentality now these people, and this is the obedience, they are completely in on this guy. Okay. There has never been like this before in my life where like people, um, and I'm not going to get into this, these stupid flip, Hey, Lindsay, you said this in 2015 that that shit don't matter and stuff like that. But the way that these people like obey this guy and the way that they, you know, basically view him as some deified figure, It's given a lot of it's basically given a lot of room for shit that I've never seen before. And like to have to have this guy, um, let's just take this Russian soldier bounty hunter Putin story. we we technically don't know if if this is true or not. The source of the story has not come forward. So but let's just take this for example, like. If this would have been any other political regime in the world there would have been a backlash out the ass this would have been a crippling thing okay considering dan quayle couldn't spell potato and that ended his chances this would have crippled any human being politician whatever it would this would have been life crippling now there are people in the republic of trump that are like yeah it's just totally a fake story you know and are they going um are they turning away from the camera and probably questioning what they just said yeah of course but Instead of making a uh, statement against him, which would then force Trump to then support whoever is going to primary that person and they'll probably lose because he has such a lock on his base. They decide to go along with it, so there is this this obedience to this crap that like I just I never would have seen before. Like there are people like Lindsey Graham and McConnell and stuff. I would have at least thought would have maybe like kind of pushed back on some of them when he was being really indecent, mm-hmm. but no, they are like his two biggest fans whatsoever. So that's that's kind of like when I say the obedience thing. And now here's the the absolution part because this was nowhere in politics from before. And like, believe me, I understand that the Democrats did obviously side with Clinton during his impeachment in the 90s and stuff. There was a lot of people playing sides there, but I've never seen a level of absolution like I have with this person. I've never seen um, the average American say that. Donald Trump this real estate guy knows more about the virus than medical doctors. I've never seen where like this guy could get something in like the Russian thing and they just brush it off like there's this whole like this guy has done absolutely nothing wrong and it's frustrating because I look at him and I'm probably like, okay, if there were let's just say 50 things came out about this guy in the press, I will bet that not all of those are true. But there's a lot of them that are true. And those are probably the most important ones. And how are you just like not even seeing that these people are lying? How are you not even noticing the broken speech patterns, the deflection? Like how are you not physically acknowledging what a lie is in its core? Like how are you watching Trump on TV say something and then believe him and then like I don't know maybe not believe that that's your son's bog that you found in the trash can? You know what I'm saying? How do you just how do these two mix and match here? And those obedience and absolution things were. Yes, we are totally supporting him, whatever. And yes, he is a clean slate, the ideal pinnacle person of a human being. He is almost godlike. These are the, the what I feel separates um, Trumpism from every other thing that we've seen in politics to date.
0: I, I think you're a hundred percent dead on. A hundred percent dead on. Um, I, I just I'm actually recalling I want to say it was like a I want to say it was like a Jordan Klepper clip um, from him at a Trump rally. And, um, he was, he's talking to a woman, um, he's talking to a woman who, older woman, probably in her like seventies. And she -hmm. was talking about how she didn't trust Joe Biden because Joe's, he's creepy Joe Biden. He's going to touch women. There's, you know, he doesn't respect women, whatever. And Jordan Klepper is like, well, you know, also Trump cheated on his wife, uh, while she was pregnant, Mm -hmm. while Melania was pregnant with Barron. He's had affairs with porn stars. He's been divorced multiple times. There's also a bunch of rape rape allegations. And this woman just goes, well, that's when he was a younger man. He was fucking 60 when he cheated on Melania with Stormy Daniels. Right. 60. Uh Uh-huh. Wasn't 20. Even if he was... Wasn't that long ago? No, yeah. Even if it was when he was 20, it doesn't, like, make it disappear. So he is absolved from everything that, that he either did or didn't do. He's already preemptively absolved by both supporters you know, both by regular people, you know, citizen supporters and by people in the government supporters.
1: Yeah. Like, what do you think it would take to get these people to like, see him for what do you, is there anything that can no. open these
0: people's eyes? No, he lets, he's, let, he's let almost a quarter of a million Americans die and they still don't care.
1: I know that's believe me. I've seen very, a lot of versions of that sentence on Twitter and it's frightening. Like when they say that, yes, that, um, Two, a quarter of a million plus uh, Americans have died and millions, millions of people think that this guy should still have a job. That says a lot about this cult of Trumpism, the state of the country, everything.
0: There are, you know, like there are, you know, there are gay Republicans that back Trump and like he's done so much for the gay community. Oh, you mean like bar gay and trans people from serving in the military? (laughs) Right. Or, you know, or at least attempting, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that ever actually went anywhere specific um, other than, you know, him just saying it on Twitter. Um, but like, oh, so that that has helped you progress as a community.
1: Right. The fact that this guy will probably take away or is looking to take away your ability to get married, that's going to that's moving you forward. Yeah. Like the fact that uh, he won't like I, I can't think of recently where. He was even photographed with a gay man. Like he, no. I, I have no idea. And this is the guy who's going to push you forward. It's the same thing with this, this religious shit and this um, evangelical vote yeah. that they have. It's it's never about God. It's never about any of this stuff. It's the agenda of the Republican Party, and it's the zealotry agenda that they fucking cling to. It's all what it is.
0: Yeah. No. One hundred You're one hundred percent right. Um. And, I, and I, Yeah. That's. By the way. That's definitely going to be The sound clip. Um, for you know for the previous 100% um, that's really nice. good. I, you know here's here's what really makes it stick out to me and this is kind of it's kind of counter counterintuitive, but it, it makes sense. The defining feature for me of Trumpism you know besides the childishness but like or I should say not the defining feature, but what sets it apart besides the childishness um, is that there isn't a singular identity. You and I could walk down the street and pick out a Bernie progressive. You and I could walk down the street and pick out some, like, hardcore tea partier. How do you pick out a Trumper, necessarily? Unless they're waving a flag around or they're in public without a mask or something. That's a little bit different now. But we're talking, you have the gun nuts that are Trumpers. Mm -hmm. Regular conservatives. that are establishment conservatives that are just falling in line that are Trumpers. Um, you have a lot of people that are new to politics. They have no real, um, they have no real foothold on like what American politics should look like. Um, younger people that have no idea what, what it looked like in the nineties and the t- early two thousands. This is their first introduction to it. So you have those people that are kind of, that are kind of captured by it. You have groups of out and proud racists that are, that make up a big chunk of the part of, 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 the Trumpism, uh, cult or collective. You have a bunch of opportunists. Uh, that that make up a bit, another big chunk of uh, of this collective, people that are, people that are mi- maybe minor celebrities uh, or wannabe celebrities that have clamped mm-hmm. onto the Trump train to become like Trump rappers and Trump artists and Trump you know fill in the blank. They're clearly right. just taking an opportunity to boost their social media profiles. Basically, um, you have conspiracy theorists that, and I'll, I'll put these together. You have conspiracy theorists and anti government types who would never, anti-government people are now in the cult of someone who's the president. Um, And then, uh, you know, because he is not your typical political figure, right? He's not a government figure. Um, He has no prior experience in government. He's not involved with what people think about the going, you you know, the quote unquote, the swamp. He wasn't a part of it, even though he obviously is. Um, Mm -hmm. so you have those people, then obviously the evangelicals who are, again, not like any of these other people that I just mentioned. It's, it is, it is so bizarre that all these disparate people, um, are, have found like a community underneath this very, very bizarre form of, of, I don't know, political manipulation. I don't even know what the hell you call it. I mean, the political cult, but we're going to get to that. There's, I think that's still something different, but um yeah they're just they're all these people have found themselves under the same bizarre umbrella
1: yeah dude it's crazy and you you make this point about it's going to be very difficult to to figure out to spot these people to to some degree i mean with the mega hats and all that you're going to know who some of them are but this just encompasses so many goddamn people and like when we, we we were looking for apartments and stuff jess and i were we've met up with this one guy and everything. This guy comes to the door. He's got the the sandals on and he's got the jeans and he's in a t-shirt looking high as shit. And the first thing he starts complaining about is having to wear a mask while he shows apartments and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh wow. So this guy is a, uh, this guy's a Trump supporter too. So I mean, it's they're all like with the, um, this whole net is so wide that it is becoming very, very difficult to spot some of these, you know, less vocal
0: supporters of his Mm -hmm. and i think this might just be a general failure of the democratic party because there's no way in hell they would target any of these people other other than uh, you know other than trying to get the the faith vote you know the evangelicals and obviously people who are newer to politics but the democrats aren't going after racist groups the democrats aren't going after regular conservatives necessarily they're not going after like they're just not going after these people
1: Yeah, that's No, that's a really good point, too. I mean, like, number one, like, I I don't want them to go in for the racist groups, but they could be making plays to like, they could be making plays to conservatives in the same way that conservatives could be making plays for liberals and stuff Mm -hmm. like there's these issues and everything like that are so big and complex and everything. There is a ton of room. For people to come together and you, you're you probably not going to get everything that you want. You have to know that walking in the door. But if you guys work together, you could probably get something. And like I'm telling you, there's probably there's probably a lot of people like on the conservative side that do agree with stuff that Bernie Sanders says. Like, hey, we should go to bust the hell out of Wall Street and mm-hmm. tax the shit out of these fucking guys. And they love that crap. They just don't love it coming from Bernie Sanders, you know, right. and there's no way in hell that – um. Like, uh, there's no way in hell that like Republicans are going to, are going to do that. And there are things that, um, Democrats can make the appeal to that they're not doing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's, let's move on to the political, the actual, what I want to talk to in terms of political cults. Um, QAnon, baby, we got to talk about them, Mm -hmm. uh, especially since there's now going to be at least, I think two QAnon people in Congress. That is correct, yes.
1: Marjorie Um, Taylor Greene is one of them, and I can't remember who the other one is. The
0: other one is Lauren Bobart. Bobart? Oh. Something like that? Yes, okay. From Colorado. Right, yep. Um, Mm -hmm. So, QAnon, Chubba, can you, how do you think that, that this, again, it's a political cult, how do you think this political cult became such a force?
1: Okay, so like we obviously know that the the spread and everything like that is through the four chan that's where it all started. It's like it starts in the online community and everything. Then where most of this shit pretty much starts up. But where it really catches the spread Is that it is being brought into the public forum by people who have no business reiterating conspiracy theories, and that is the people in government. And dude, like I'll tell you, Hannity can get online or get on TV and talk about QAnon and Pizzagate all he wants because Sean Hannity is a talk show host. But to hear politicians and people that have number one run one office, and then there's a whole bunch of them that like you know, lost and stuff like that too. But to have these people bring these um, crazy ideas into the zeitgeist, into the fact that now people have to respond to them, this—it's just messaging getting out there. And when messages get out, there are going to be some people that think it's an absolute crock of shit. But there's going to be some people that become entertained by it. They get sweeped up in it. Next thing you know, they're on the webpage reading a bunch of articles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then they start to maybe formulate opinions of their own. And it is just this, this megaphone, this avalanche, this whatever you want to call it, smorgasbord of information that never ever ends and it's just keep on being reinforced over and over and over again. So you could basically go see uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, go there. She'll, or you could watch her on YouTube or something. She says something that about QAnon that strikes your interest because who, yeah, a pizza place running a pedophile ring or whatever they're talking about, who wouldn't? Those are things that are going to grab your ears. And then you go online and, and then you just slowly, slowly, slowly go down the rabbit hole. And if enough people do this, the message catches on and it becomes a thing. And mm-hmm. then it becomes something we talk about on the podcast.
0: <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Uh, to, to sort of to keep with uh, to keep with your point here, too, I'm going I am going to blame um, Hannity and Tucker Carlson and, um, you know, various other you know Ben Shapiro. I, probably him to a lesser degree, but that, um, that those, those people, these people with very large public platforms, um, again, mainstream, I hate when, I hate when Fox tries to call themselves, tries to call everyone else mainstream media. When you're the most popular cable news broadcast, you are mainstream media. But when you have those figures that get to millions of people every night and they when they repeat even though they're not saying that this is a QAnon conspiracy theory or a QAnon something that we picked up off of 4chan or i think 4chan's gone now i think it's then it was 8chan i think it's like eight coon now or something but um yes yes you're right um when you have tucker carlson and sean hannity repeating claims that started there um that eventually worked their way from eight coon to twitter or instagram or wherever and then they take those and run with them as, as ideas on their shows, that that is a huge fucking issue because you're made, you're, you're preparing the mainstream for these very bizarre ideas that Joe Biden kidnaps and eats children. Right. I mean, it's I know, which is ridiculous on its source, but like you are just slowly desensitizing people to that idea. No, that's, a,
1: that's exactly right. It starts off as something very, very extreme, something crazy like that. And, people just get more and more desensitized to it. That's why horror is like what it is on TV for crying out loud. If you've seen American horror story, that's the sensitization on television and in it's, in it's pure as, yes, it but, yes, it is. but uh, yeah. And it's also, it goes back to this whole, like, you know, the, just the, and I'm botching the quote here, but it's just the whole thing where like, if you say something enough over and over and over again, people believe it and they're playing that card. And while there's, um, people with an elevated conscience in the world and i would like to think that you and i could fall into that criteria that maybe you know that are going to look at that and say it's bs but there are some that that don't and it's a real problem when the ones that don't are constantly being reinforced this message constantly hearing this message hearing it from people like your your hannity's and tucker carlson's that have the platform to promote this kind of stuff and the thing is is that The minute that those types of theories even get out, the minute that Tucker Carlson says the the last word of his sentence, the damage is already done. They're on the offensive. It now is up to somebody to prove somebody wrong that Mm -hmm. there's not a Satanist cabal of child molesters, which is just ridiculous. But the fact that it's out there, the fact that people believe it, and the fact that your only real retort is like, "Yeah, this is complete bullshit," that might not be good enough for some people, and then that forces the that forces the belief structure even stronger.
0: No, you're exactly right. It's I I like that idea that 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 this that the ideas that QAnon in general they get to almost always play offense because there is no they have no responsibility for the burden of proof. So they get to be on offense all the time. I like the way you put that. That's
1: it. That is exactly what it is too. And the Republicans have done the same thing in the course of this administration. I'm sure they've done it before and I'm sure the Democrats have done it, but take this whole thing with like the Mueller report, the Mueller report supposedly comes out 72 hours later, that fucking gossamer bill Barr, that fucking disease walking bill Barr, has read the whole report. He's read it all. He's assessed it. He's um, you know done everything he needs to to understand it, and in 72 hours in a 400-page document, he's reached the conclusion that there was no collusion, there was nothing, any of wrongdoing. Of course, that's BS. But mm-hmm. what that does is the attorney general comes out, he says it. They go on the offensive. So now it's up to the Democrats to prove what to prove he's it. saying wrong mm-hmm. in a document that's redacted that and by the way when we got the unredacted or we got the more in-depth version hey it turns out that there's a lot of crazy shit going on mm-hmm. but guess what that was 5 months after the fact 6 months after the fact no one remembers it anymore
0: yep exactly it's not even
1: a deal it's exactly. nothing
0: exactly um i, I to, and to add to this add to this because I, I think you're totally right with how how the qAnon messaging gets amplified um but to add to it boy did it come along at the right time uh, with the pandemic with the uncertainty mm-hmm. of basically I would call, I'll call it existential uncertainty um, on a, on a massive scale that we've never seen before, you know, or we haven't seen in generations anyway, um, that this sort of, this sort of day to day, you know, being isolated, separated from everyone else and, and the, and the, and the uncertainty something came along to provide answers and that was enough for some people to sort of. I, I think that that was enough for some people just to like feel like they had some control, but mm-hmm. I also think it it helped answer questions about the pandemic, because QAnon was QAnon was pretty early on. um, A lot of besides like the child molester bullshit, um, they were also pretty early on messaging about you know the origins of the pandemic and how it's being used against you, and blah 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 blah. Not a not. And I, that provided reassurance to people that had no answers, and I think that right. that timing was just unfortunate for everyone else, and very fortunate for the people who are behind QAnon. Um, spoiler alert: it's not Trump.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Q is not Q. Who
0: do you think Q is? It's the guys. the guys who, like it's the guys who have founded Four Chan and 8kun. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I, gotcha. I was. I really almost. Got- I, I was reading an article about it. That's. I can almost. The people that are like better at you know, studying and researching this kind of stuff are very convinced that it's the sky and the sun.
1: Okay. Okay. Interesting. I, I, um, I know that they're still priding themselves on this masked identity. Like, you know, that, um, you know, like one of these, um, Dr. Claw behind the chair kind of things or whatever. Right. And and yet, yeah, dude, like I'm telling you, man, it's, um, you are definitely, you're just hitting so much shit on the head there, man. I don't have anything really to add to all that. <laughs> you're hitting it all. <laughs> uh,
0: so, so then we got to how, how it's become so popular, but what do you, what is the appeal? Okay. So you're kind of to
1: piggyback off what you said is it does answer questions and it, it may be some of the weirdest questions that you have and in, in time and uncertainty in the pandemic, like there's definitely going to be a lot of them. But I think that when it comes to, the two, at least like what I found on Wikipedia, which is the two fundamental things are the cabal Satanist calls and the deep state. It's um, basically, I guess, reaffirms certain suspicions or certain ideas, certain beliefs about the government that have been around forever but it just reaffirms them so let me take take the deep state for example so everybody goes back to uh the the x-files and meeting deep Throat, mm-hmm. and it's a guy in a suit in a parking garage and stuff and him and him and the the janitor from the from the the white house are all of a sudden like coordinating some crazy effort on behalf of the deep state to bring trump down or whatever and the fact that trump is a political outsider just a real estate guy coming into politics This adds like a little bit of a log to that fire. So now you have these people that are already convinced that there's some massive deep state. And you know something? I'll give these people a little bit and I'll say that there's probably shit going on in the government that we don't know about for a reason. And we probably shouldn't know about it. That is what I consider Mm -hmm. to be the deep state. I don't consider it to be a war room full of old people that just throw darts at a a billboard dartboard of trump all day long right but i will tell you so like that that probably exists in the world that just reaffirms anything and i i'm not going to lie i probably added a little bit of a fan to the flame when i said i believe a deep state exists to a certain degree but um (laughs) i will tell you that there's just that there's just that's what goes on in government like and but they're taking this probably like standard practice of not letting the american people know stuff and making it seem like it is some kind of crazy thing against donald trump now when it comes to the um the Satanist uh, element or whatever um, or the, the, the pedophile thing or whatever, I'll address that into the next question. Cause that's specifically about pedophilia, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, basically a combination of reinforcing things that have been around forever that people already believe, but just in the modern setting.
0: Yeah, I, I exactly. I have that as one of my points. So I, I don't no no need to linger on that. There is just sort of this like re- reaffirmation of suspicious stuff because the government is inherently suspicious to people. You know, you're you're giving up your control to this very vast entity. So, it makes sense. But mm-hmm. to kind of to kind of get back to it with the pandemic, I think that I think that the at least the initial appeal for why it grew so fast is because like people were feeling extraordinarily isolated. And through Facebook, through through the message boards and forums, through Twitter, they found a community that when they de- when a lot of people when a lot of particular, I'll call them vulnerable people needed a community, they found one.
1: Right. Yeah, that's right. The isolationist element, the wanting to be a part of something that maybe even so much is just missing conversation mm-hmm. in general, because you are on lockdown that could do shit to people. I, I mean, thank God, like, you know, like Jess is here and stuff like that. So, I mean, I had another human body with me during the the, the time of this crisis, but if I was alone, I I'm not, I will personally tell you I'm not going on QAnon or any of that stuff, but like I would definitely have a longing for some type of acceptance, some type of conversation, some type of way for me to maybe vent any type of feelings or thoughts or emotions that I have, and there, I may be less vulnerable than most, and that is mm-hmm. a check in the plus column for me, but there aren't people there's a lot of people in the world that aren't aren't like you and i and stuff like that and i'm I'm, you know i i don't want to like necessarily say that these people like are just horrible shitty human beings in general i want to believe that at their core maybe they're not and they're just kind of wrapped up in something maybe just something caught them on at the right time Mm -hmm. but there's something going on here that goes beyond just going online and reading a bunch of bullshit
0: yeah no um excuse me yeah, I, I would I I think the I think the thing that keeps us additionally from being vulnerable is that you and I have jobs throughout this whole thing. Right. I would be very curious to if you were to poll, you know, do a do a poll poll of um of Q and of you know, self you know, self-professed self-proclaimed QAnon supporters to see how many of them lost jobs during the pandemic. I bet it's a very high number.
1: Of course, I will guarantee you it's a high number. No- and like not to sound like too pretentious here but there's a lot of job loss for jobs that did not require like farther education like college degrees and stuff like that and that is trump's bread and butter right there so you put all those things in a pot and throw in a conspiracy theory on top of it you're eating chili you know
0: yep yep absolutely so let's let's get to this though uh, since you brought it up and i do want to talk about it a little bit um the pedophilia thing besides the deep state stuff and obviously, you know, and encouraging rebelling against, uh, uh, COVID they are, QAnon is so obsessed with pedophilia and why in the fuck do you think they're so obsessed with it?
1: Okay. So, um, I did a little bit of research on this cause I actually didn't really know how to approach this question. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of give you what I got and give you, give me your thoughts on it. So I, um, At a sociological level, a mass psychological level, however you want to call it, I guess um, there is this thing that happened in the 80s called the uh, McMartin preschool scandal, which happened in Manhattan Beach, California, which is basically a preschool was a. Accused of the same thing that the comet pizza was Like that they're Correct. running uh, Kids, yep. it's a big sex thing There's animals and there's Satan Shit involved yep. and, um, I'm actually and familiar they, with
0: this, with what you're talking about here so. okay. But obviously, gotcha. yeah, not yeah, everyone dude. else out there is So continue Right, right,
1: right, and I just I just learned about this. So like this is all new to me. And dude, this all happened five miles from where I from where I live here in Playa Del Rey, Manhattan Beach is uh, two towns down. And um, so what happened is is there was all these accusations, big time investigation. It was actually one of the most expensive trials in American history at this point in time that yielded absolutely zero convictions. Okay, so it was just a whole bunch of crazy shit that. got out that they've somehow turned it into this thing. And in the end of time, it just became basically nothing. So I found this article on motherjones.com from this guy named Ari Brayland that said that um, this he kind of approached it like how we do with some of the societal fears when we talk about horror. And he said that this children pedophile story of the 1980s is sort of like a reflection of shifts in sociological values and at the time i think what he was quoting was like uh the change in the the uh, nuclear family where like the mom and everything is now supporting the family and the dad stays home so it was just some sort of like i guess like societal fear kind of reaction you know uh, hysteria to go along with this and i did even some research into this even farther and i found that this whole like pedophilia thing, it's kind of just the same story that's been rehashed since the 12th century where um, I guess there were conspiracy theories against people of the Jewish faith that they would molest children and have like mm-hmm. blood orgies and stuff like that. And they, this idea of focusing this particular conspiracy against the Jewish community has sort of morphed over time to now the elitists. And now it's the Hollywood elitist because there is such a Jewish influence over the industry of Hollywood. And I think and basically like it seems that it's a kind of a combination of uh, the hatred of rich people, anti-Semitism, the hatred of, of Hollywood and everything that the celebrity culture and everything. And it's all just kind of. Packaged together and mishmashed, and uh, you know, just basically, we're telling the same thing that we have been since the 12th century. But now it's the Hollywood elitist, and not necessarily directly referencing um, the Jewish community like they did in the 12th century.
0: Yeah, I you did a lot of research here, and that's awesome. Um, it's great. Uh, that yeah that that I, I actually remember watching like a maybe it was like 2020 or Nightline, kind you know one of the one of the one of the primetime documentary shows. Um, mm-hmm. about, about that particular case and how like one kid's lie spiraled into other kids lying into like this whole investigation, people being smeared. It was a fucking mess. Um, it was a fucking mess out in Manhattan beach for sure. Um, I, I, I yeah, th- this is, th- it is, how do I, how do I, how do I piggyback off this? Um, it's simultaneously something that almost, that literally ninety nine point nine percent of people are against. Like we're against, we're against pedophilia and harming harming children, be it sexually or physically. Like it's just it's wrong. Everyone, mm-hmm. almost everyone on the planet, will agree to that. Um. So like it's so right away, it it's it's like so right away that that kind of smear is like, oh well, this, yeah. there's something wrong with this person because uh-huh. clearly they don't believe what I believe, which is what everyone believes. Um, so it's so it's so easy in that regard to be on that side of things, and then, but here's here's to me where QAnon sort of separates from from this in a very bizarre way. They have a very lurid interest in knowing about it, and and like I, I've seen like QAnon posts on Twitter and some like screenshots from uh, from forums and stuff. They for some reason have a very in- distinct interest in knowing the details of potential pedophilia and clearly that's like when you hear about, you know, if you go back and read some of the stuff about like the, 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 uh, ping, the comet ping pong pizza parlor stuff, um, the people that were pushing this had very, you know, supposedly, well, they did, they had very lurid details about what was going on and were people so concerned that they were reporting this to the police or anybody else? Nope. They were sitting there and reading it. um, So, there's this sort of, that I I can't reckon with. Why they are so enamored with knowing about the details of supposed uh, pedophilia and and child sex crimes, but they are. Um, So, anyway, just to get more back, let me get a little back on track here. I was going going to go down a a rabbit hole that would take us way far away from this. But, so you have something that is simultaneously agreed upon by everyone that it's it's just terrible. You shouldn't do this. And but when you levy that accusation against someone, it is as as, as the case that you brought up, it is really fucking hard to wash, wash that stain away if you're accused of mm-hmm. it. Um, right. Accusing someone like Joe Biden of it I he's in such a massive position of power, it doesn't really matter. But, like, if you take that smear and, like, you throw that against, like, a teacher, um, you know, like, a high school teacher or a middle school teacher, you throw that against maybe a police officer, um, you know, the, the, the high school football coach, that's a fucking stain they can't get rid of. It is a perfect social weapon. Um, calling yeah. someone a pedophile. It's a perfect social weapon.
1: Yeah, they found the perfect thing to kind of, like, attach themselves to as far as being something against. Like... Are there anybody out there that's against no or one. that's for pedophilia? No. Not that I can. Other think than pedophiles, of. definitely no. Yeah, other than pedophiles, <laughs> right? And I don't know any pedophiles. At least I hope to God I don't. Um, but um, yeah, I will tell you, man. Like that is like one of those things that's like super, super, super concrete. And you would think that even things like. Hey, the environment, like us like being able to live and breathe and stuff like that, you would think something like that might be a little bit more concrete. but um, no, this one, I mean, and believe me, like this pedophile thing should be concrete. I'm just saying that you would think people would be as passionate about other things. but um, I believe that they are weaponizing it because it it almost kind of puts you in one of those situations where like you could be asked a loaded question and it almost sounds like if you say no, you're for pedophilia. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like somebody could be like, Hey man, are you a fan of QAnon? And be like, dude, fuck QAnon. And they're like, well, what? So you're for molesting children. And it's like, no, that's not what I said at all. Right. Like, Definitely not what I said at all. And unfortunately that is like one of these, like, we're going to use this term here in a little bit, but that is like a a silver bullet type thing. It is like a silver bullet as far as accusations go. You're right. It's a high school coach. Any of those people that is a career ender with Joe Biden. Like it's, I don't think it sticks as well. Like at least in my own personal opinion and with politics, they're all called child molesters. Everybody's called everything when it comes to politics. But, um, if they were to start weaponizing this against like regular people, the high school gym teacher doesn't need to be, um, doesn't need to be innocent to have his life ruined. His life's going to be ruined no matter what. The mm-hmm. accusation is enough, and we got to think about this now. Is that if they were to weaponize this, there will eventually become a point in time where we become desensitized to child molestation accusations, which is going to be a very fucking scary time in this country.
0: It's it's already happened, um, and people that run, people that are that are parts of you know that run um, uh, nonprofits that, um, you know, that deal with, with sex trafficking, but also legitimate, you know, not legitimate, I should say legitimate, but people that run nonprofit sex child trafficking agencies and also like state agencies, um, that mm-hmm. like, you know, child, you know, they are parts of like sex trafficking task force and stuff. They, um, because of QAnon, they get overwhelmed with false tips, um, false information. Um, they get death threats because they didn't follow up on these false tips like their job is now 10 times as hard because of QAnon.
1: Yeah, exactly. And now there's real people out there that are going and doing it, but no one's even looking at them because they're too busy following, you know, they're too busy following like the most perfect example of a human being that somebody just thought was a child molester.
0: Right. And, and just sort of, I'll, I'll, my last thing here with this, it's, if you were so fucking concerned about, sex trafficking and child molestation and everything else um then why don't you instead of yelling online on twitter that joe biden eats children why don't you go donate money to your local shelter or volunteer at like a hotline my mm-hmm. guess is that you right. don't want to do that because that that actually requires effort
1: yeah that's totally true too you're so adamant about being against pedophilia and all this stuff but uh you're not actually doing anything about it. it. It really just shows where these people's values really lie, that yeah. it's not even about pedophilia whatsoever. It's about owning the libs and protecting Donald Trump.
0: Yep. Um, so to wrap up this whole section on QAnon, is this particular movement here to stay?
1: As QAnon,
0: uh, it's going to be around for a
1: little while longer, but it'll just morph into something else. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Pizzagate became QAnon. So like it, it, there's going to be yeah, some more less, evolution. More or less. Yeah. It'll it'll be like one of these things like I'm and I'm just spitballing here, but the way that I could see this ending is that um, at some point in time, they just are they're just done with being wrong. You know, like people are just like, hey, another QAnon prediction is wrong or something else that they think is happening is wrong and people lose interest in it. And then they'll just move the whole pedophilia thing to something else find another little vein that they could suck a little blood out of. And it'll just become, it'll become a foreign on or five and on or you and sure. I and on whatever it is, something and on.
0: I I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to simmer underground for a little bit in the coming, in the next couple of years until we have another, another general election. That's you know going to determine the president. Um, I mm-hmm. think there'll, there'll be a little bit of a little bit of resurgence there, but I think what you're saying is dead on that. It's just, it's it's QAnon now. And in the future, it'll be something else. It's just it's just going to change. But I think I think maybe not specifically QAnon, but I think this sort of we're you know, this is the birth of a political cult. And I think there are going to be more political cults as we as of we move course. on in time. I just I don't I don't I think that that I think this genie is out of the bottle and is not going back in.
1: Yeah, and it's going to get people on both sides, too, man. There's going to be left political cults. There's going to be right ones, center ones, all kinds of ones. So, like, this, um, you're right, this genie, the Pandora's box, it's opened, and there's no closing it. Nope.
0: Um, So just to wrap up here with this whole section, talking about extremist groups, white nationalist movements, alt-right, whatever you want to call it. Um, Obviously, (laughs) very recently we've had the president uh, um, go ahead and give the Proud Boys, essentially, orders and an endorsement. Uh, when he was supposed to condemn them only only trump could do that um, but so i don't know like we're we're now we're now like at a at a very interesting tipping point um you know with the, with the election with with biden potentially winning it but just a just a backtrack when do you think that this alt right white nationalist however you want to put it uh, when do you, when do you think this really started to take shape okay i without
1: you know, going into the history of the Klan and all that, it's been around forever. These hate groups have been around forever. That's what I'm trying sure. to say. Like in, in my own, in my own personal recollection, I feel it really started to take shape and gain ground during Obama's re-election in 2012. The early 2000s is, is kind of what I'm saying here. And it seemed to be a little bit more out of the open then. It could be the rise of social media and social media kind of becoming what it's become today in those early stages it could just honestly be the embracing of hate groups from republicans that were desperately trying to get votes against obama it could easily be something like that but i that's that's when it seemed to be around the time when all this stuff started to re-enter the world because i remember when i was younger dude I only saw people from the Klan in movies and on Jerry Springer episodes. That was the only place that I saw them in. Yeah. But in the earlier part of the 2010s, it seemed like I was seeing them like all over the place. And like there were people that, um, you know, that uh, like just general people that I saw in my daily life that, you know, maybe used a little bit more of like a racist dialect than they used to. It was kind of like shaping and molding around this time.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you there. There is, there is a literal start point to the term alt right, um, the alternative right. Um, Richard Spencer um, coined that term back in 2014 on his. Okay. I, I forgot what his magazine, what his e-zine was. Or his, you know, his online magazine was, or maybe maybe it still exists. But um, so there's like a, I mean, there is a literal start point for it. But I I still don't think this movement takes shape, and and also you can add into it they kind of got amplified because of this whole thing that really it it became, this is probably an early look at what Twitter does to, to uh, controversial topics. Um, But there's this thing called Gamergate um, that had to do like a lot of people don't actually even know what it's about still. Um, It's this like multifaceted problem that had to do with like access, female access to video gaming, um, female video gamers themselves um, female video game journalists, but it's not really the point. They just Richard Spencer and his crew and the alt right crew jumped on this early um, to amplify their voices. But i I really think, I really think this takes shape in in 2015, where you where you get we're getting to the end of Obama's you know Obama's second term, and we have this lineup of. We have you. You hit you. You're, you kind of tease what, what I was going to get into. You have this lineup of Republican candidates who will literally let anyone, anyone that will pay them attention and help them with help them uh, help them with their social media presence and capturing that particular um, that particular voting block, if you will. I don't. I know social media isn't a voting block, but social media users mm-hmm. to get more into that particular voting block. You had this Mm -hmm. lineup of candidates that was more than willing to give Richard Spencer and um, I can't remember the guy who used used to write the Daily Stormer. But like you're giving all these people meetings and access with actual politicians. And that really was like the first signal to all these groups in 2015 that they're taking us seriously now because Mm -hmm. they need our votes. They need our support.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you man, it's just when Obama was such a fucking rock star, like such a goddamn rock star, and I, I will tell you, he came in at a time where like not only was he a fucking rock star, but he came in at a time where like change was we needed it with, with Bush and everything. Mm-hmm. So the way that um the way that Obama had this, you know, kind of influence over the country and this presence like there's a that that dominance no less like to you know to basically run the table two times in a row there's a lot of people that are going to reach for whatever they possibly can because that person is, it's not a racist asshole. That's a vote. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like, forget the fact that this guy's got a bunch of guns and probably will, probably planning to murder innocent people in some way, shape or form. That vote. And they, hey, he's got a whole like little group of guys. What if exactly. I, what if he tells them they to vote for me too? That's five votes now. That's all what these people are. And they, they, they played a dangerous game and they won and tw- they, they won this game in 2016. Well, hopefully they will lose in 2020, but um, you know this was this was their call to arms. Is if is if Obama reignited this passion in politics on the left, the right had to do the same thing, and unfortunately, they made deals with the wrong kind of people.
0: Yep, exactly, exactly, hundred percent. So why? So then, why do you think these hate groups are growing in popularity and notoriety? And I will say, pop, it's not that they're like becoming like people aren't like, man, those fucking proud boys are cool, but I mean. <laughs> more people know about them than before that like they are, they are like you, you can turn on the news and like hear something about them now. Whereas years, years past you didn't hear anything about them. So why do you, why do you think that, that this kind of phenomenon is taking place? Okay. Well,
1: because the, uh, it, it starts with the fact, like what I said before that the, you know, the Republicans, they, they planted these seeds for the sake of their vote. So now these people, are these people are at least accepted by somebody. As before, they weren't really like accepted by any basically no one that's going on TV to debate somebody in front of public or hold office, no less. not like at least in that way. They weren't being gaslighted, which um which is the term. one of the best ways that I think I could answer this question is through gaslighting. They didn't have that. Now they do have uh, politicians going on cam- going there, not even devout uh, saying, bad things about white supremacists. You have good people on both sides. You don't have the language that is firm and direct saying, hey, white supremacists, fuck off. You don't have that. And even if you did, things in this political climate are so crazy. I will guarantee you that if Trump were to get up uh, at any point in time and say, yeah, white supremacists fucking suck, I will guarantee you that what the white supremacists are hearing is that, yeah, he really still likes us. He's just saying that right now. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's Because it's that's how – yeah it's a code and how crazy this like political climate is and it is all rooted in the fact that these republicans made this deal with the devil and now they can't go anywhere like these people there's what are these people going to do like retreat no they were in retreat for the long and in their minds they were in retreat for the longest time this is one of the biggest victories you can handle white supremacist group other than just basically a whole bunch of innocent minorities lined up to slaughter it's
0: disgusting yeah no you're you're 100 right You're 100% right. Here's what I want to add to it. I want to add to it a kind of business idea to it. That their their marketing and outreach is better than it was previously. That Mm -hmm. these, you know, obviously the Klan is something different than really what we're talking about. But these sort of groups, they, you know, angry white men is what they wanted. But they've realized that, like, you know, you can't just have neo-Nazis. In these groups, and expect to gain membership, to gain a big membership, and to gain uh, ex- political acceptance. So they've diversified themselves into picking up like the, the you know the Second Amendment proponents, anti-government mm-hmm. activists, um, just in general yep. disenfranchised men. Um, I I think there's a this is a big one. People who want to play soldier. Um, that's a yeah. really big one. Um, mm-hmm. general misogynists, people that just don't want. You know, that are kind of against the feminist movement. Um, Chema, there are minority groups that are involved with the Proud Boys. One of the Proud Boys leaders is a black Cuban guy.
1: I didn't know that. Yes, you bet.
0: And, you know, and, you know, people like Milo Yiannopoulos and there's some other like prominent gay people that align themselves with hate groups. So they realized that like they we can't just have these like angry white Midwesterners to fill our ranks we if we want to if we want to expand and we want to be more relevant we have to pick up people from other sources and like I I have there's someone that I know who is involved who or at least pledges like some kind of at least social media allegiance to like the boogaloo movement and the three percenters those groups aren't inherently racist in fact there's a lot of black um, uh, you know African American and uh, Latin boogaloo people boogaloo boys or whatever they call, whatever they call themselves but That's still sort of an inroad into or maybe it's a gateway drug, if you will. It's a gateway to then joining a more hardcore right wing group.
1: Yes, of course. It's like they somehow find a way to hook you in with something. It's like come for the barbecue and stay for the anti-government radical, all this kind of stuff, because you're right. It can't just be. Angry white dudes. It can't be that like the image of the, 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 the clan and everything is just angry white guys and everything. It can't be that anymore because people don't want to associate with that. And like I'm telling you, at some point in time, like if um your, your business model is basically relying on a fresh group of white people every single year to buy into your bullshit. And that's not going to become the case as more and more people become educated, more and more people have access to information through the internet and stuff like that. Like, it's just like you need to diversify a little bit. And at some point in time, like, I feel it's almost going to be like Fight Club, where you have these, uh, you have the racist branch, you have the uh, the African-American branch, the Latino branch, like, they're all hanging out, doing their thing, and all of a sudden, they just get the message from, uh, they get the message from the master, and next thing you know, you have a united, you have a united front of uh, racists finally putting aside everything to, uh, to to
0: kill something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Chema, we're, we're yep. like... It's it's just to me it's like really sad that it's really sad that like you and I can sit here and pick apart these sort of tactics because that's what they are they're tactics that any company would use that Coca Cola would use to reach more people to buy their products it's the of same course. thing It's Dude, the exact same thing
1: all this stuff is all the same thing over and over again if you were to take uh, images of Nazi Germany and rallies and what all that stuff looked like those images are pretty much on point with even what we see today. And that's not that's, that's not saying that that's all for Trump. I'm talking, like, the images of large flags and just the, the presentation of things and the pageantry. Those are all out of Nazi Germany, dude. Like, those the Nazis, like, they, they just knew population control and, and information manipulation and yeah. everything. They basically turned it into an art form.
0: They did. They absolutely did. Um, so, Chema, is there is there a silver bullet to sort of quell the rising strength of these hate groups. Okay. A
1: silver bullet. No, there's no And I, when I say, when, when I took this as the silver bullet, meaning like I fire it and it's immediately gone. Like, so, um, but I am going to answer this on a multi-level thing. So as far as a silver bullet, meaning a quick fix, the answer is absolutely not okay it's just not going to happen it's you're you're trying to extinguish an idea a belief it is a world of difference than trying to extinguish the snap bracelet okay like the snap bracelet became unfashionable within a year ideas and beliefs and everything while those ideas and beliefs are not as just not accepted in mainstream culture but there is the non-mainstream culture that still heavily embraces a lot of xenophobia and racism so it's just not happening in a far form of a silver bullet there are two things that um, I think could quell it, or maybe calm it down a little bit, but it's – one of them is prosperity. If everybody is feeling prosperous, if everybody's got money and if everybody's got PlayStation 5 and is eating ribs all the time because they can afford it and stuff – No one's going to be angry about anything. But at the same time, knowing America and knowing our capitalistic and all the the companies and the different viewpoints and everything that are out there, social media, prosperity will probably only bring a sense of paranoia because everybody now has money is going to be worried about other people taking it. So I don't necessarily think prosperity is going to be a, a cure, but it might be something that stifles it a little bit. And if I was going to offer one other thing that, um, that would totally kind of calm things down a little bit, hands down, alien invasion, squid monster coming out of Madison square garden. If people are so angry at something else, they might stop being angry about this. But that's, those are the only three plausible situations I I could think of.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. I, I totally understand. Um, I will, I will answer similarly in the negative, but, but with a, with a positive, there is a silver bullet to this. There 100% is to, okay. beat, to beat this back in magnitudes. There is a silver bullet to it. It's just not legal or realistic. Um, and that's to completely cut off their online communication. If these yep, people had true. to go face-to-face and try to recruit, go to your home, like, like they were military recruiters and try to convince your son to come be a part of this racist hate group, that's not going to go well.
1: Yeah, that's very true. No, that's definitely true. And you're right. That is, that's something that definitely not legal, but that's gonna, that, that will, that will do definitely do something that'll stop it. That'll do whatever. And, and like, maybe, maybe this is just me here, but if I, if I'm talking about like my perception of like, at least like the last like 50 years or so is that it seemed like up until recently, there was still problems with race, definitely still problems. But it seemed like, at least in my mind, at least through childhood, things were getting a little bit better and stuff. This whole QAnon crap and these hate groups didn't exist on this level. So I just, like, um, I totally forgot where I was going to go with that whole thing. But um, just it, this whole thing, it, it's just newer. Like, it, it seemed like racial relations were sort of, like, improving until recent times where they all well, just went to hell.
0: That's because you're a white guy.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, like, but like, but Yes, yeah, but, 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 people haven't been going, harassing you yeah. for being white in a long time. But right, right. No, but what I was going supp- to supplement your your thought. That was my, my original thing. Was that um, if these people had to deal with things more face to face, and like I, that's really the only way that you're going to actually improve stuff is with actual human contact. That's the only real re- way to build an actual bridge.
0: Yeah.
1: And you're right. If Recruiters were to come by my apartment and stuff like that. That that wouldn't go well. That wouldn't go well anywhere if like QAnon recruiters were actually coming by. But the fact that they don't have to do this, um, that is why this whole thing has exploded. It could just be be done online, and that, that's where I was going with the whole like. It seems like racial stuff was improving because we didn't really like have the internet. We had to do everything like face to face and stuff like that. It was just it, I don't know. At least that's what I felt in my mind.
0: It, well, I know what you're saying. Like. Go back to, like, when our, you know, go back to, like, the 50s and 60s. It was openly acceptable to to be a racist and be a disgusting pig to people. And that public perception over time, or the public acceptance, I should say, over time waned as we get into the 70s and 80s. It's obviously still there. Not, not, not saying that, like, oh, everyone just, everyone became real happy um, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. No, just the public acceptance of it really really waned that you weren't going to see you know like you think about like these horrible pictures of like people like in the 30s and 40s that were lynched and how Mm -hmm. there's like people are posing smiling for the camera they do not care that they're on camera having killed somebody uh you know for their skin color that as, as as the decades go on that public acceptance of it declines significantly but as we get into the modern times, there's a there's a there's a route that doesn't involve you putting on a hood and walking out into the woods at night to burn crosses with other anonymous people that you can go. You can go communicate and share terrible memes with other like minded hate, you know, hate group people online that it's now there's a place for it to be acceptable. And if you fucking were to figure out a way to shut off that communication between these people, it would be really difficult to recruit so many people. No, you're
1: definitely right, dude. Cut that shit off at the source. Cut the, stop the spread, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, So uh, let's just, you know, hypothetically speaking, again, we might know by the time this episode gets out, but how does a Trump loss affect these groups going forward? Uh, Well, they're definitely going to be upset that Trump lost.
1: Like, they're not going to go away lightly. Um, And I don't really see them going anywhere i don't know if it will be a as popular a topic of a conversation if you don't have the president of the united states gaslighting these people i would hope to god that um that they get less media coverage and less gaslighting with a trump loss but i don't know man like you said the the genie's out of the bottle pandora's box has been opened, and now these people have lost they've experienced a loss and one that they might feel is stolen from them being a assortment of false information from their uh, gaslighting leader uh like they're still going to be around and i just don't know what they're going to be capable of doing but i do think that there's a there's definitely cause for concern when um you know you have people that are like this and it's it's not like all of a sudden uh you know we're going to be looking at the gangs in new york you know wars being fought in the street i i hope to god that it doesn't come to that but it doesn't have to be. It just takes one life to be lost at the expense of these hate groups and shit like that. I mean, it's just it, something's—they're not going away. Long story short, they're not going
0: away. I agree with you. They're—they're they're not going away. I think their growth does get stunted somewhat, because to kind of reference your idea about uh, like the obedience to Trump, um, I think you know if Trump loses, and so you have like the you have the you know one person who isn't going to be echoing. Proud Boy and um, Proud Boy talking points and other hate group talking points you know, like I forgot some of the other 3 percenter talking points, whatever else you don't have someone at the top echoing those, that down ballot Republicans, you know looking for seats, that established Republicans in the Senate and, and, and in Congress, and in the uh, House of Representatives, they won't be echoing those messages either, or at least they won't be as forgiving to someone who's you know, to, to to Richard Spencer coming to the front door trying to get you know, trying to get an invite in you know, with this particular congressman or something. It's just not gonna happen anymore if Trump loses.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good point. The whole like obedience thing, this these kinds of things, not dying but being sick as a result of him not being around is is completely, completely believable for sure. Definitely. And let's hope to God that that him going away maybe does quell some of this shit.
0: Hopefully, hopefully.